0: Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. I am in a good mood because I've been playing a great game this week. How about you, Sean?
1: Uh, Hello, yes, I'm Sean and I am in a good mood, but not because it's a great game, because I've been playing other
0: games. Oh, we had a good weekend as well. We'll talk about that later on. Mm. I have been, over the past few days, building another Pi 3 system for all emulators. Look, there it is, Sean, with heat sinks and everything. Look at that. Ooh. Sink that heat. Sink. Ooh. Just make a right noise putting it back, shall I? I'm going to do this with my mate, Vip, because he's doing one as well. So we've all got um, emulators and ROMs in one place. I want this to be my main emulator machine. And what i want to do is I'm going to make a little box for it, like a thin, skinny box. And mm. I'm going to put it underneath or even attach it to an 8-inch Sony PVM monitor that I've got. So it's a CRT mm. monitor, a little tiny one. And it's just um, it's just a composite one. And what I've got is a special wire, which Rich Chunkson told me about, that goes in the audio port of the Pi 3, and it outputs audio and video through it into, into composite. Right. I never knew you could do that on a Pi, but that man's clever and he knows these things. And what else I'm going to do is get... I've got a bunch already of USB controllers for different systems. I've got a NES, a SNES, a Mega Drive one, an Xbox 360 and I need to try and get hold of an N64 USB one if I can, so I can play all the different emulators on the Pi, but with the correct controller. Yeah. I'm even thinking about getting a, or making even, an Atari CX40, because there is plans on the internet on uh, Thingiverse for a 3D printing one, but putting a Sanwar joystick inside it, and with probably arcade buttons as well, I expect. That'd be nice. Stuff like Mario 64 and Yoshi's Island 2, the N64. And there's not many N64 games I like, actually, but there is a few, I suppose. I might be able to get into a few more if there's some good ones on there. Uh,
1: what, what have you been up to? Well, I've been playing, because I don't like Mr. Do, I've been playing <sighs> a lot Been playing a lot more of Borderlands 2 because it works on Linux. Is this I an I'm older like... game? I don't know what
0: Borderlands they're on at the moment. They're on like Borderlands yeah.
1: 7 or something. No, Borderlands Three is due out. That's why it sort of sort of led me back to this. It's 2012, so it's it's old for it's old new is it really? No, Get I'm out. Really, enjoying, Get out. really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Just just it's a it's it's a first person RPG. Really, you, you, you grind oh. through it. You go through levels. There's lots of shooting and looting and loads of great humor in it. And I rushed it last time because I, I love Borderlands One and I rushed through two, but I'm really taking my time this time and really enjoying it. So that's what I've been playing and also guess where we have been, Victor, where have we been been hey? hey we hey, have
0: hey. well before we've been there Yay. We had to take things there, didn't we?
1: Yay Now
0: I took two of my little electro ISIS cabinets to the revival event in Warsaw. One of the middle events Oh, isn't it just? took Cuba and Bosconian. Uh, well, I didn't take them, actually. Smarty Martin and Roger uh, sorted all this all out with the van and stuff. Uh, Martin came and picked up one from my house, and the next night I drove one to his house. He didn't live that too, that far away from me. And he took them both up in the van, and he's got me his house now. Uh, how many did you take? 28. Oh, my Lord.
1: On an Arctic. Ooh. Was, was it cold in the Arctic?
2: <laughs> an articulated
1: vehicle. I helped offload them, and the, the Kind Revival guys put them all in, in place. So On the way back, on the reload on Sunday afternoon, they're a bit short-staffed because everyone's rushing around, and there's one lift for everybody. Well, there's two lifts, but the, but the front lift was going straight out into the market, so I couldn't use that. Oh. So there's one lift which will fit one cab and one person just... <clears throat> And it was just a massive backlog, a massive bottleneck. So it, it was, I, I was at the bottom of the lift, loading them onto the vehicle, and I actually did it on my own, all on my own. The other there was one guy at the top. It's just they were just stuffering everywhere, doing trying to help everybody. And I got home at ten pm. <laughs> oh my god! What? I finished at four. Yeah. Oh my god! It, it took four hours to load it, just because of the lift. Oh my god! But it was worth it. It was such an excellent weekend. So tell Real... me which
0: cabs they were, all 28 of them. Tell me now, which ones were they?
1: 1942, Moon Patrol. Well, I might have had a little bit to do with them too. I might have had a bit of sway on them too. Um, and and loads of others. Oh, well
0: described, sir. Because <laughs> did Arcade Club supply all the games in the in the tournament?
1: In that little U shape? Yes, I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, because there was a tournament area, wasn't there? And if anyone wants to see what arcade cabinets were at the event, they should get onto Nintendo Arcade's uh, YouTube channel, which I'll put a link in the show notes for, and have a look, because Alex and I, and you, had a walk round, didn't we?
1: Oh, is that on there?
0: I believe he's putting it on there soon anyway, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I forgot about that. He did it for his channel. I'm not sure if he's going to edit it all up or not yet. I'm not sure if he's done it, but I'm sure he'll put it on there soon.
1: Yeah, so that was an excellent weekend. It's a really good community vibe. Loads of loads of UK vakers, loads of listeners, podcasters, YouTubers. Just everybody was there. It was so cool. Uh,
0: as well as the the revival thing, I have been making some bits and bobs for my Nintendo cocktail cabinet. I'm doing, you know, the, the third one I'm doing in its series. I've made up some bits that were ripped off of it, because it it had the coin mech plate that the coin mech goes onto, ripped off. Someone has already taken it off to put a bigger coin mech on it. So I've remade that, and that'll be painted with the rest of the cab. And the actual coin mech plate that goes onto there, I've made that as well, which will be just left aluminium. So there's some little parts i made at work for that. I've got to get onto that soon, actually. Also, making stuff, I made an Asteroids Vectrex controller for Chris Parsons, Mr. CNP. And I now really have to get my arse in gear and get it done before revival. Because months and months and months ago, when I started making one, I promised I'd have it done by then. So I had to get it done. So I did, luckily. I uh, saw it
1: just a little white box, and it was five buttons. Did you have or four?
0: Yeah, yeah. Left, left, right, thrust, fire, and hyperspace. And there's two little buttons on the side, up and down. So on the Vec Fever, you can actually move the, in, in the menus to pick the games. Right. And what I need to do is add a switch to it later on when I work out what kind of switch I need. It's like a double pole, double throw thing. So you can make the hyperspace button because at the moment it uses, I think, up or down controller to do hyperspace. But the other games on the Vec Fever, which are like asteroids, use left and right. So you can't use hyperspace because it's using the wrong the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. So mm. I need to put a button on there, or a switch on there, which chooses between left or right, and up or down. I'll have to work space that one out. Space is the place. Space, space is, is the place. place.
1: But, yeah. The mighty Sun Ra said space is the place. Excellent. I don't know what you're talking about. Sun Ra. Okay. He went and, to Mars. And I've Saturn. been playing... He went to Saturn, Vic. He went to Saturn I've been playing of
0: lots of Mr. Do. <laughs> oh, why? It's absolute. I'm really getting into it. I like it. I'm still not very good at it, and I'm still learning things. But we'll get onto that later on. But let's have a chin- more a bit of a chin wag about revival. Yes. So, what were your main things you liked about revival?
1: The, we did a talk panel. I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, I was dreading that, but, but we got, we got I quite actually a really few enjoyed people, it, didn't we? Got yes. Maybe forty people, maybe listening, something like that. You reckon? Do you know what? I didn't even really look.
0: Because I did that thing about, I've always been told, if you ever go on stage, just look at the back of the stage. Don't worry about who's there. Mm. And I wasn't really looking. I was sort of more looking at the people speaking on our panel, Tony and John and David. And I even looked at you once or twice, which was a bad, bad, bad thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so I sort of yeah. didn't really notice too much. But it was lovely having a lot of people there. Because when we first got there, there was no one there at all uh, on the time. And I thought, mm. uh-oh, here we go. Because the talk the day before about the super gun which I found really interesting, this is a new super gun that's coming out. Uh, from the guys in Belgium and uh, there was about eight people there because I don't think it was very well advertised and, and you know it's just for the, the more arcade heads really and a lot of the people there were into consoles and computers as well as the arcade stuff so it probably wasn't that interesting to a lot of people but I found it very interesting I, I put quite a lot of input into it as well I what interest interested in it but our one it sort of
1: started off with hardly anyone there and then it did fill up quite well I was quite pleased in the end it's good yeah, yeah, it's cool that. I think people will come in... At the end, people will come in for the next one, which was the Oliver Twins. Ah, uh, maybe
0: that's what it was, yeah. They're yeah. super famous, uh, eggy, dizzy game makers, aren't
1: they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah the I, I really enjoyed chatting to everybody, and the layout of it was brilliant this year. There seemed to be more space, but the same amount of machines and stuff. Yeah, I, I um, like... I like how much stuff
0: was there, but the one thing that, that does bug me a bit, and you can't do anything about it, because it's just the shape of it. So it's a football stadium, isn't it? This is all the halls inside. Mm. Is that is that tunnel in between the two rooms, the big rooms? I think it's a bit... Because I kept forgetting where things were. Because you're in one room, and you're sort of playing a game and you go in another room, and you think, where was that Mr. Do machine again? Was it in here or over there or in the other room? I wish mm. it was all sort of one big place, but that's a completely different kettle of fish. It was still brilliant.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And... Um, we we all got into a certain game which we will mention later on yes we will i mean it's, so, most of the events i
0: go to whether it's round someone's house or a big event like this there's always something you hone in on something you maybe not played too much before or you're a fan of it or someone's a fan of it and then they get other people into it and everyone really gets in, and you sort of say oh go and play that game over there you really like it and everyone goes over and plays it and then at one point we even had a guy saying i'm going to make that game on the switch Mm. So I was like, "Oh, brilliant! That's brilliant." We told him to, and he actually he liked it so much he's going to go and do it, which is going to be cool. Yeah, another thing we did at a Revival um on the second day, we just sat down having a coffee together. I mean, and there was a there was a there's a guy there, sort of our age. And there was a lad sitting next to me, and there was some some sort of like teenagers. I think they were. I mean, we, some few of them were a bit older than teenagers, but obviously a lot younger than us. And we just started chatting to him about, you know, the podcast and stuff. And he was, the guy was saying, oh, these, these these young people really like the old games. And, like, one girl really liked Moon Patrol, another guy liked Bosco. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, it's one of young people who like the old games that like we do. And we got chatting. And he was saying, oh, have you seen this thing they've done? And it was like a development system for Switch, which I think they're going to put on the store, which is a language that these – I'm calling them kids. They're kids to me, but they're young adults. These young adults had made – and it was like a development system. It, was like, it looked to me, because I, I know very little about languages, but I've seen my wife doing stuff with, with Python and stuff. I was, oh, it looks a bit like Python. She said, it's a mix of Python and BASIC. And it's basically mm-hmm. a game-making sort of environment, if that's what they call it. And they showed us some demos on there, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's loads of little games they've done and little sort of demos. And and they, they can sort of do things quite easily, and it seemed, apparently it's quite easy to pick up. And they're going to sort of get this on the, on the store for bedroom coders to make games up with. That's what it's called, kids. Look at the camera there. Fused. Oh fused, yeah we got some cards. I'll keep in contact with
1: these people and see what you know, keep an eye on what they're doing doing because it seems really cool. Yeah, he's they, they were yeah, really enthusiastic about the old games, these youngsters. And yeah, it was yeah, but Python meets basic, weren't it? But the, it yeah. was it's interprets it doesn't compile. Yeah. It interprets the code real time. And it's still, he showed us 800 shaded blocks or circles or triangles moving around. There's all different the shapes screen.
0: moving around on the Switch, and it looked quite impressive because I don't think the Switch is, is massively highly powered. It's not as high powered as a, an Xbox One or a PS4, is it?
1: I'm not sure. And I'm it's, not sure
0: it's, it's just seemed very, and this was on the, the handheld unit as well, which doesn't run as fast as when it's on a TV. Mm. So it seemed very impressive and they showed us some a demo of a game that looked a bit like Castlevania. There was another one that the the guy who actually had it on him had done himself. It was like a space Harrier, but loads of random objects were flying at him like an elephant and a, and a sofa and a bus and some cars and just things flying at him just as a tech demo. It's really cool. And then there was another game that looked very like Geometry Wars. Mm. which and I said to him is this going to come out on the Switch? You know, flesh it out a bit. And he said, "Oh, if it, Nintendo have said if it's good enough, it will come out in this store." So that'd be mm. really cool. I love the indie games. That's why I bought a Switch. And this thing's going to make it even easier for these like one or two man bands to do games.
1: Yeah, it's it was he was our age, and then he had like like his, his daughters and boyfriends and girls. I think there were like four four of them around the Switch. Yeah, four. four or
0: five. I think one did art. Another one did the programming of the actual system. Another one was doing the demos. Yeah, it's a good little team. They're really talented people as well. Really talented mm. people. I was very impressed. But I think that's yeah. what all the, um, the young people are learning nowadays. You know, back when we were kids, it seemed to me almost impossible to make a game. I know, I know some young people did, like the legendary Matthew Smith, Me, you know, made Manic Mind and stuff when he was 16 and all this sort of stuff. But
1: these people are really, really talented. I really enjoyed it.
0: And I'm looking forward to seeing what that thing has to come.
1: Yeah, he had a a Nintendo Switch dev console, didn't he? Yeah. A black one. Yeah, really impressed with that. So cool. Yeah, so we've had a great time. Lovely, super time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I enjoyed all the stuff there. Um, I I bought myself a cartridge, I think. And you know what? I thought I'd had it already on the 7800, because I usually buy a cartridge, and I've usually got it already. And this one I didn't have. I bought Mario Brothers for the 7800. Well done. It was like three quid as well. I haven't tried it out yet. Nice. Guess what? In the arcade news, this is brilliant, guess what game Gallop and Ghost unveiled a little while ago? Tinkle Pit. Tinkle Pit. But they already had a Tinkle Pit, because I used it before we left. It was right near the uh, Gallop and Ghost branded Pong Cab. One of the uh, Pie Factory podcast favourite games.
1: Yay!
0: Because it's a, a rather amusing title. Mm. Hopefully they're going to put a Uncle Pooh next to it. <laughs> Tinkle Pit and Uncle Pooh. Tinkle Pit and Uncle Pooh together. How cool would that be? it would be I, pretty cool. I have thought of doing a, a little um, Uncle Pooh cab and just sending a picture of it to the Pie Factory podcast people. Because they're obsessed with that, aren't they? Love it. It is a very good game. It's a really cool little game. It's just got a bit of a toilety humour theme to it it's really cool game though we really enjoyed that one didn't we
1: yeah if if the if the guy he fires backwards which is obviously he fires bits of poo poop 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 you could turn that into anything you could turn it into a robot that fires backwards or something you could take that bit out of it and it i reckon it would have been a very good popular game i think the thing the thing that makes it quite interesting is where you've, you've got to turn around to fire which
0: is unique to a game, isn't it? I when mean, we played that rubbish act Fancy the other week, he fired backwards and it went forwards and all over the place. With Uncle Pooh, e- e- you actually knew where you were firing. Mm. Yeah, really cool. We'll have to game. Get into that again. We'll have to go in, back into that for the uh, archives, won't we? Yes Arcade News. Right. There's been some more little silly arcade machines. This going to be the, all, all the, the rage at the moment. And these ones are actually by Coleco. And they look like the original Coleco LCD games. It looked like little arcade cabs. I Maybe mean, they did a Donkey Kong and a Frogger and I think a Galaxian and a Galaga. But yeah. the games aren't actual existing games. I think it's their own kind of game they've made, like a space game, you know what I mean? But what I reckon oh, they're going to do is they look just like expensive main cases to me. People are going to put Raspberry Pis in those. Rip the guts Possibly. out, put a pie in there, make it good. The thing is, though, I, I follow one of the Facebook pages. I think it's Retro pie, and people make little cabinets with pies in, obviously little tiny screens. And what they, I think, someone had actually 3D printed all the parts to make one of those Calico cases because they look like little arcade machines, and they're quite expensive to buy. If you've got a good condition one of those, they're worth a couple of hundred quid. And what the people are doing is building those to make these little games to put them in, like to house them. And now that these things are coming out, it's going to be cheaper to buy one of those and gut it than th- get it 3D printed because there's a lot of parts to it. It takes a long time.
1: So that's what basically
0: yeah. going to end up being, expensive main mime- cases.
1: Mm, yeah, as well. It's an, um, you know my feelings on them. I just think they're a waste of time, but they look okay. But guess what? Guess what? There's I'm not style- excited by this at all. Oh, it's fantastic news. There's a Star Wars one-up arcade cab. That you know these little flimsy one up arcades, three quarter size things. The pathetic it's things, Star yeah. Star Wars, it's got Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of Judy, in, Judy, 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 Judy. Na 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 We'll wait. Sorry listeners. Go I was on. gonna sing I was gonna sing at the panel, but I I bottled it. I stopped you. Yeah. Anyway They look
0: pathetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the one thing everyone is asking is what is what is the yoke like because it's a Star Wars yoke on it and to buy an actual Star Wars yoke it probably costs you three to 500 pounds if you wanted to build a yep. cab you needed the yoke part because it's an expensive bit of kit but this thing is going to be plastic it's going to be like a little p- p- flimsy box I would have thought and I don't think it will last very long either for the quality we saw of those ones in America I, I've got very a lot of doubts to it. Mm. And it's going to be emulation as well. So the emulation on a Vector game, it's not going to look that good, is it? Unless they've got a really high-quality LCD monitor in it, which I doubt, I seriously doubt.
1: Yeah, they must be selling well, these things, if they're still making them, that's the thing. Well, you say that. I
0: saw one, I saw two the other day in a local TJ Maxx for, I think, was it £240? I'm not sure how much they were even new, £300 new? In the UK, right. and no one was looking at them. I don't. I think somewhere in America they were doing them for fifty dollars. They gone, they crashed right out. But I suppose if they sell God. X amount, they've made money, and they don't care about the rest of them. I don't know.
1: Yeah, possibly.
0: But that thing looks awful. But but they must be doing okay because they got the license for it. The license for Star Wars stuff must be astronomical.
1: Mm, Yeah. Hmm. I wonder who owns... Oh no, I suppose you still have to speak to... Well, it's Disney now, isn't it? It's Disney, yeah. And Disney don't usually give up rights that easily unless they're getting
0: a big cut out of it. And, and one other thing, one other new release, which I don't, I don't understand and I don't see the point of, is, you know, they've released the Mini NES, the SNES, the Mega Drive, and the PlayStation 1. Mm. They're doing... Konami own the rights to NEC's PC Engine. And they're going to release mini, inverted brackets, PC engines. But if you if you know what a PC engine looks like, and mine's just there, they're about five inches square anyway. They're mini already. They're so cute, yeah. But I think the only, the only advantage to these mini ones is they're going to have USB ports. So there will be, be, be two controllers rather than just one that was on a standard PC engine. They're going to do the PC mm. engine, the core graphics and the TurboGrafx, which was the American version, which has a different shape, which was a bit bigger. But why bother? The PC Engine is already mini enough. They're not that expensive to buy. And if you get an yeah. EverDrive with it, you've got all the games under the sun. These things are going to have, I don't know, 20, 30 games maybe. And I think the Japanese ones, compared to the American ones to the European ones, they have have different games on as well. But the only good thing about those is if, if you haven't got a PC Engine, and buying a PC Engine and an EverDrive would be quite expensive... You can get these PC engines, and within a month they'll be hacked and put all your
1: ROMs on there. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I suppose they work with HD TVs and all that sort of modern guff, but I don't see the point. I'd rather have original hardware, and it isn't that hard to get hold of. Mm. I suppose you could wait until they come on knockdown because they probably won't sell that well, and then get one cheap. Yeah. And one yeah, last bit good. of uh, news. It's it's a bit of bad news, but it's getting to be good news. Uh, Todd Tucky. The crazy TNT amusement guy and creator of the Wacky Fun videos has been pretty poor. He's had some heart problems, and he's had a bunch of heart surgery, but he is home now and recovering from his surgery. So get well too soon, Todd. Yeah, I like some of them. I don't look at a lot of them, but when I do, I enjoy them. Oh, The thing is, he's as mad as a fish, which is quite good in its own right, but the stuff they do is is company. They actually refurbish and, and... do up old cabinets, and they do a really nice job of them. They don't they don't put LCDs in and stuff like that. They refurbish them properly. They put new T-moulding on, put new a new PCB and fix a PCB, new controls, all that sort of gear. It's really good. Hmm.
2: Ten Pence Archives.
0: Now, the archives this time is heavily to do with Revival, the event we've just been to last weekend, what game have you been playing,
1: Sean? That was in our archives. Well, this is a bit of a a a switch a, a Swiss around, whatever you call it. You you playing one that I like, and I'm playing one that you like. Yeah, we we all got into playing Rescue.
2: Yes. Our, at,
1: at the event, and it was it was your control panel, so it was really well done. Twin sticks, f- the bomb button in the middle, and I, it, it clicked for me because last time I played it was on the podcast. Well, I wasn't even on the podcast. It was number nine. You and Alex Is it did it that early? Wow. March 2014. And I didn't have a twin sticks. So I think that affected it. But there's a lot to it, and it's loads of people are playing it. It's a really cool game. Really yeah, cool. Alex
0: and I love it, and we would sort of... Everyone we saw, we grabbed. And said, Come and play Rescue. Come and play Rescue. You'll love it. And they
1: really did. I'm glad Alex brought his cab along. And these Fuse guys, the Nintendo programming language guys... The, the 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 managing director, the the older guy, John Silvera or Silvera, Silvera, something like that. He played rescue and he loved it. He says, This yeah. is great. He says, I'm gonna make it on the Switch. I says, Well, well if you if you actually decide to give us this out, he says, No, I'm gonna do it. I'm definitely gonna make it <laughs> in that he, language. Cause he uh is a gamer anyway. He he was, he can clock Defender,
0: get a million on Defender. Yeah. Uh, so he's a gamer anyway. And I think I, I think we have met before. at another event, and he was well into it. So yeah, it'd be nice to see that on the Switch. But Absolutely brilliant. And we also talked to our friend Richard Broadhurst. He makes some really cool BBC uh, arcade ports. And he was sort of after another game to make, and I sort of nudged him in the way of rescue. So hopefully he'll be doing rescue as well on the BBCB. That'd be
1: brilliant. You've got to finish Moon Patrol yet? Yes, he has. That's looking good as well. Looking very mm. good. Mm. So that was way back in podcast nine what have you been playing Vic? i've been playing the classic 1942
0: what a great game i've always loved 1942 have you i was on two three hundred and two hundred thousand three hundred thousand three hundred fifty thousand that sort of sort of level never really that good and I, i always sort of made silly mistakes and i couldn't quite get it and there was a candy cab there with a 29 inch monitor playing 1942. And every time I tried to get to it, there was always someone on there. And I think there was someone pretty good on it. It might have been our Ian Cullen. Because someone actually finished it. They got 11 million on there. Because so you get was 10 Ian million. Cullen I don't know. Because I'm sure the name on there was Ian C. So I'm not sure. And I, I not think I Ian Cullen it. can do it. I'm not sure. Ian, get in contact with this if you there, mate. Um, but someone had completed it anyway, and another guy was on there getting like 700,000. I thought, oh, I'm never going to get on here. Some good players. And when I first, when I got on there, I had one go of it, and I have not played it for a while, because I do not really play at home that much. And I got uh, 385,000, which beats my mm. record by a good, good while. And I'm starting to learn the plane patterns now. It's st- sort of starting to click a little bit. Yeah. And I saw the first boss plane for the first time ever. I'd never, you know, the huge ship comes into play, the huge um, plane comes into play, and it fires mm. loads of bullets at you. I, I've never seen it before. I was like, "Whoa!" I was trying to shout you because you, I think you'd walked off, and I was trying to shout at you. So, like, what do I do? And um, shoot it. I shoot it. I shotted it right in the face, and I did it first time. Didn't lose a life or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it> does that <laughs> noise? Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" And then the next day, I thought, "Right, I'm gonna play that again." I did another go of it. It's my second go in it in a long while. And I got to the same place again, but I sat in the wrong place and I got hit by a bullet. I saw the bullets come out, and I, I should have sat in the middle of the bullets. And I moved to the side and got hit and lost my last life. What an idiot! You can do a roll. Yeah, I didn't think of it, but that game is beginning to click on me. And I, I, th- I was talking to Charlie Farr, and he reckons you can do that whole game in about one point six million points, and then you get the ten million at the end to finish the game off. Yeah. So I'm about. In theory, a quarter of the way through the game. I suppose so. yeah. So if I well, keep it's... up that
1: kind of pace, I think I, I would love to do it. That'd be a massive achievement if I could actually complete it. I think the first that first boss, the first time you see him, is level twenty-six. Obviously, it counts back from thirty-two. Yeah. So you are six levels into it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I am going to sort of stick at it. I do love that game. Really, really like it. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a blast from the past for me. Mm. So I've actually got a bootleg board of that. I have to stick it in my pony because I want a big screen. I was playing it. I was going to have a go of it earlier tonight, but I couldn't stop playing Mr. Do. I couldn't stop playing Mr. Do. God. So yeah, good, good old games, aren't they? Yeah, two good ones there. Uh. Two brilliant ones.
2: Recent pickups.
0: I've actually got some pickups and quite reasonable ones this time. Now. I have. I had some things sent to me. Uh, this is a Gallagher, the Dig Dug, and a Fix It Felix Walmart exclusive mini arcades. Now these Why? are the ones. These Why are the ones I collect. Well, uh, I, don't actually, I don't actually play them. I usually have a quick go of them when I get them, and then they go back. I take the batteries out so they don't leak, and I put them back in their lovely case, their little, lovely little boxes, and they go in my arcade room, and they look lovely on top on the top of the shelf there. I've got all the Walmart exclusive ones so far, which is all the colour ones. Yeah. And uh, they look brilliant. I really like the look of them. Where's that Gallagher one gone? Ooh, look at that, Sean. Look at that.
1: Those look quite nice. Lovely. Nice. Yeah, I really like them. Playing a NES version of something, though, isn't it? Um, Well,
0: there's a story about that one. Um, That particular one doesn't work unfortunately right. but I got another one in America coming to to, to me and I had a fiddle with that one for about an hour trying to get the screen to work because it was just a white screen you could hear the gameplay in the background and I can't get it to work so what I might do with that one if I really can't get it to work and no one knows how to do it I'm gonna gut it and perhaps put a pie in it that'd be nice yeah it's a good little game and then I think they're big enough to play I mean I played um I played the, the Pac-Man one for a while and I played Frogger. Frogger's really good on there. I got a good like twelve thousand on Frogger. It's brilliant. So they are playable. Those ones. I think any smaller they'd be a bit difficult. But those are quite nice. And the joysticks have actually got little four-way gates on, so they mm. work really well. Other mm. stuff um, I mentioned earlier: the Pi three B Plus, you know, the newest Pi. I got the video and audio three and a half mil cable. Uh, I've got a panel mount breakout USB port, so they're going to go on the front of the box I'm going to make. Actually, I have panel mounts, so you can plug them into the box rather than actually into the Pi. Yeah. And they're going to be like the joystick ports in inverted brackets. And oh, the 7800 Mario Brothers cartridge I mentioned earlier, which is the one I haven't got. And uh, we got from Neo MK an SD card full of goodies. I think there's yeah. a version of... Darius Burst on there he said and a load of Blue Tones records which I'm really into the Blue Tones so that's quite nice uh, he also gave us some blue hallucinogenic Viagra sweets
1: yeah in a, in a little Miss Pac-Man case yeah and I ate
0: all mine while we were talking to him and I was buzzing for the next
1: hour they did look like very dodgy
0: like ecstasy tablets because they were blue and they had little sort of like ghost faces on them and they
1: looked really dodgy so I noshed a lot quickly it's very, very cool this mispack main case. Looks like a little mispack cabinet. It's cool. Thank you, Matt. Biscuits. Biscuits. Uh
0: biscuits. More biscuits. And finally, biscuits.
3: I like the base. base, biscuit,
0: base. We had a lot of biscuits from a lot of various people, so yeah. Brilliant. I I think I like, I gave most of them to you because I'm trying to diet.
1: Yeah, and I, I want am, to make you probably. fatter,
0: so you're fatter than me. So you took home basically a carrier bag full of biscuits. Fourteen packets, I think I've, I've got. I think I had four. <laughs> oh my god! It's but some of the ones I've had, I can't remember who gave us them. But there's some really like real chunky choc chip ones. They're going down very well. Mm. Oh, nice. oh, 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 I got my copy of Frontier from the lovely Chris Parsons. This is the new. Vectrex game we've been raving about. It's very like Sheriff, and also it's mm. got a, a game very like um, Boot Hill on there as well. And we are in the game. Yes. We are baddies in the game, in, in line form. And in the manual, Holly and Marlon,
1: I took a photo of it. <laughs> well,
0: I've got it. I've got it's my great. own copy. It's going up next to my big blue copy I've got up there as well. In fact, I've got a few games for original games of Vectrex. I've got Vector Pilot, Vector Patrol... Which has really cool remakes. I've got Stromash Zone, which is like Battle Zone. I've got uh, oh Death Chase, which is like the um, like Death Race, and it's got knocks yeah. on there, which is a very like Super Sprint. And I've got Big Blue, and now my Frontier copy. Brilliant, cool. It's great the the life the Vectrex has now. Oh, it's so good! The homebrew in Vectrex is is really cool, and it's getting even better. There's some really really good games coming out. And also, if you're lucky enough to have a Vec Fever cartridge, you can play the um, arcade ports of a lot of arcade vector games. Mm.
1: I got some Ross Ross personal cheese as well. Yep, yeah, I don't like it, but wife loves it. She's already had half of it. It's She's quite not-
0: strong, but when it's melted mm. and in stuff or on stuff, it's absolutely lovely. I don't think I'd have it on crackers because it is very, very strong cheese. But when it's melted in stuff, it goes it's really creamy and lovely. And I did it tastes
1: I did taste it, but not for me. Yeah, too but strong for, for your palate. Raskers. Mrs. Holly loves it. Yeah, I love it. It's good. what did you get? All that stuff. What you just said. And? G- games, biscuits, cheese, and, and uh, some, some clothing, some clothing wear. What did you get? I got a 1942 T-shirt, Vic. That's that's for your the last birthday I
0: forgot, or the one I'm about to forget. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah, remembered, I got you that T-shirt, because there was two for like 30 quid, and I bought myself an Asteroids one.
1: Yeah. Nice. Nice. There's some nice. good T-shirts out nice. there. I should have got
0: some more. There's some lovely T-shirts at that
1: stall. Yeah, it was... Well, yeah, there were some cool little Mario ones and Sonic. and. Oh, there's a load of arcade ones as well. It was really good. Yeah, Golden Axe, I think.
0: Was I'll tell one. you what we should have done. it has got a load well, of 10 pence ones printed up and put them on his stall. Yeah. Oh, that's an opportunity quid. missed, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Right we better start this and get on with it quick so there's a ton a metric ton of feedback to get through.
2: Listener feedback.
1: Do you want to do the first right. one? I'll go. Do, 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 thanks for all the feedback, kids. it with absolutely loads. It's, it's been really good. Phil for life. Hi, Phil. As you guys are clearly the best arcade podcast this side of the Atlantic and Broken <phone rings> Token are clearly the best on their side, would you consider doing a joint special episode with them? I'm sure there's loads you guys can discuss together about different arcade cultures, past and present. Chip shop, jammers, pubs and cocktail cabs, and also the infamous Atari Island. Now, there's a net flow of arcade games arcade cabs being drip fed to the uk from the us and i wonder how they feel about that too we all know postage from the us is a killer so getting cap kits and some multi-game kits to the uk is ridiculously expensive those guys have it easy otherwise perhaps you'd consider letting someone put a master quiz together so that you can battle it out to, to prove who's the best and most knowledgeable arcadian podcast just an idea but i'd like to see it done
0: that is an excellent idea I'd love to do a podcast with our guys in Kentucky. I'd also like to do a, a podcast with the guys in Chicago. The Pie yeah. Factories and the Broken Tokens. And doing a quiz together would be really, really cool. Ooh, yeah. Maybe Should the listeners can get us a quiz together with like 50 questions. It? Maybe just do, a, just do a quiz podcast. That'd be pretty cool. A quiz cast. A quiz cast. Arcade quiz cast. Ooh, yeah. that is pretty nice. I like the idea yeah. of that. Uh, right, we've got one from Super Sprint. Revved Up Like a juice is from Manfred Mann's Blinded by the Light, apparently. Blinded by, by the Light. light. I know. It's...
1: I was blinded and I couldn't see. we got one from Dave Flinster. I'm going to poke you in the eye. Blinded in the eyes. Dave Flinster says, great podcast. Look forward to getting a score of 0000003 on Mr. Do.
0: Nice one. We missed Dave Flinster
1: at Fl- uh, Revival. But he'll be
0: at the next one, I expect. Yes. Uh, QED. Greetings, Tenpences. Alas, we get to Mr. Do. I think Victor's love of Dig Dug has put him off any love for some clown action until now. They are quite different games, even though they look very alike. I haven't played a serious game with Mr. Do in a long time. Going to be fun shaking off the rust. If anyone is interested in learning how to achieve large scores on Mr. Do, I'll be streaming my practice on Twitch from 9pm until as late as I can manage. And this is a while back now, so it's all been done. His back pain might give him some grief. Questions are welcome. I'll read chat as I play. I have a mic and a camera on my joystick so you can see what I'm doing. And this was a little while ago. I'll put the link on so you can see I think it is recorded. He was aiming for a million points. Might not make it, but should get fairly close. Hope to see some of you later. Now, I didn't sw- I didn't watch the, the Twitch cast as it went on, but I watched it later on. And he's very, very good player. He's doing some really neat tricks. In it. I, I wouldn't have a clue how to do or even get that far. But he's excellent, and he has helped my game a little bit. And I'm going to play it a bit more... Using his hints and tips,
1: Mm. I'll put the link on so everyone
0: watch it.
1: Yeah, Mister Rygar, great podcast as usual. But Act Fancer, really good job. The next next one's Mister Do. Now there's a proper game, and one which might just about balance out the negative karma you've earned from Fat Chancer. (laughs) Hope they've got it at Arcade Club Leeds. They do, Mister Do. That is not bad curry. If, If bad curry. Negative karma, bad curry. I get it. I get uh, it mate. Uh, if so, I'll be getting a few games in tonight and submitting another score. John Tron,
0: halfway through the episode, and heard my name mentioned. The sequence for the RoboTron copyright Easter egg screen is: right, fire up, player one start, less than quarter of a second up, fire down, player two start, less than quarter of a second down, fire up, hold for message from Eugene Jarvis.
1: Easy. Yeah. Just mash the buttons until something happens. Or get him to take a photo of it, which he did. Mm. Anyway, Matt, a.k.a. Pixel Advocate. Hey, Vic. On the latest show, I heard you mention the Dominux 8 joystick and how you're considering putting together some kind of Robotron setup. I've been using the DH for a few years now. If you want some info on them, I recorded a quick video for you to share some info and some things, some, po- some thoughts. I watched this.
0: Um, it's not really a video for the listeners to watch because it probably won't interest them that much. It's just a technical thing. He's got the back of a, a control panel he's taken off his machine. He was just showing me the the, the the backs of the joysticks how they work. And he's had them in there for three or four years and they've not gone bad yet. So he reckons they're pretty good. And I really Ooh. liked his setup because he had a control panel with like you know two lots of players' controls. And then he took it off completely and put another one on for the, the Robotron setups so it's not too busy on, on the panel. That's that's the that's the nice way of doing those kind of things and it was really interesting watching it. So I probably will get some of those. Hopefully they'll they'll fit inside a little ISIS panel because I am thinking about doing a Robotron one nice. up. And we have Jeremy Riley. Great cast again fellas. The unified love for the featured game was un- unusual but deserved. Kudos to Victor for his brilliant accent work as well always makes me laugh.
1: Which game was that?
0: I can't remember must be an older bit of feedback, that one. It wasn't Act Fencer, was it? No, because
1: nobody liked that. Let me have a look way back in time. Because it was made kid. out of bum. <laughs> it was, what did... Oh, Robotron, it was Robotron. Oh, of They're course,
0: Robotron is a very good game, yes. Unified Love. I
1: might have put Pretty much, yeah, it. I don't
0: think anyone disliked it.
1: Got Francis J. Kunkich... I forgot how well done and enjoyable your podcast is. Sorry if I've got your name wrong. Hello from Michigan MI. Be well. Oh, thank you. Robert Mangum. Hi, guys. I just want to say thanks for my mention
0: and ping in a Neo Driftout episode. I'm now fully caught up with the podcast and actually felt a little lost this morning on the walk into work, as I didn't have your podcast to listen to. At least people don't look at me funny as I randomly started laughing in the middle of the street. It's been great going through all the episodes, like chapters of a very strange book, seeing not just the podcast evolve, but the people in and around it. The switch of co-hosts from Alex to Sean, the cabs going in and out of Victor's arcade garage, Sean's evolution from normal job to arcade club guy, it's all been great. I've missed out on joining him with some great games, but I'm glad I missed Ass Fanta, the worst Fanta flavour, in the last episode. I can start joining in on the scores now, and so look out for my below part attempt at Mr. Do. Long may you enter 10 Ps to continue the podcast. Hope to see you both in person again at another meet. Robin Mangum. He is One Punch
1: Rob on UK Vac. Must be a new user. I've not seen that name before. Mm. Stuart Tracy, Stuart Time Warp. Good timing on next show's game. I found an untested board at work last night and I was going to knock up a jammer adapter for it this weekend. That's an extra incentive now. I'm thinking maybe a wild cherry jam on this one. Any thoughts?
0: Definitely cherries. Yeah,
1: because yeah, it's got cherries in it, so that's got to work. Yeah, got to work. Yeah.
0: And Elad Relly, I love that name, sent us a pick of a warm out pack clone called Mystic Man. I love this. You know, I like the, the warm outed games. This is a really yeah. odd-shaped little thing, and it was called Mystic Man, which a really odd bootlegger. It's just Pac-Man, I think, but it's a really nice little cabinet. I'd love to have one of those. Mm. Not a massive fan of Pac-Man, but I, I do like it.
1: Yeah. Lance Endres, Endres. Used Vic's brilliant hot glue technique on the T-moulding channel of my Century Vanguard restoration this past weekend. It wasn't quite the glue cannon you've got on hand, but a simple craft gun, and that did the trick. Nice one, uh, Matt Burr. Thanks for
0: the mentions on the podcast. Thought I'd drop your line as you seem to be amused by my greasy strangler nom de guerre. The name comes from a movie by Jim Hosking. Considering I've heard Victor possess, profess a certain amount of affection for the League of Gentlemen, I always urge you to see the film. Seek the film out. It may be right up your proverbial street. Be warned, though. Probably best not to view in polite company. <laughs> Cheers, Matt from Zomarozette.
1: Ben of Steel. Of a long ben, of Steel and his ben of Steel and he's Ben of Steel. Does you go into phone boxes and then rip open his shirt and he's got an S in it? Ben of Steel. Yeah, and he's just he just like Ben's cutlery and that. Yeah, that could just be because like cutlery in his jacket. Wanna buy a spoon? Uh, right, I better get you on this, Eric. Yeah. Good day, Count Victor of Marmite and Shooter of Many Faces, right in the face, Holly. Long time since I've fed, fed back any feedback, so here we go. Sadly, I've missed out on quite a few featured games of recent times, but hopefully, this should all change now due to the arrival of a new baby. Oh, congrats. By baby, oh, I refer to my arcade supreme Jammer Cab, which is now running the famous Chunks in Space Groovy Mame image. So is mine. Multiple, multiple resonant pings required for that man. I broke it. Oh no. That's a normal ping. Where's your resonant ping? In my bag still. Oh, we took it with you to revive, didn't you? I did. We didn't use it. We should have used it. Oh, I should have given someone a ping alive. Mm. overall the cab was in fairly good condition but the years were definitely starting to show somewhat I went for a wood effect vinyl wrap and got the control panel and various of the metal-y things sandblasted and powder-coated as well as fitting new T mould in much hot glue needed for the 30-year-old routing mm. I'm, I'm finding the j pack works well with a li- liberal spreading of MS sticky fig balsamic chutney that's a good one but I'm toying with the idea of moving on to a Haberino hot sauce ideas on this uh, I'd stick with a chutney, mate. That hot sauce. It, you it, should it, use it a me-
0: habanero. You spelt yeah. it wrong.
1: It, that says habarino though. It's habanero. It's a it's a it, rather it, hot chili. That's a that's a new new hot sauce that Ben's invented. Might be. Yeah. Anyway, what was on about ideas on this shore? No, stick stick to your chutney for a bit. I think I dabbled the idea of wiring a coin button, but decided against it as I very much enjoy watching my son having to feed twenty p's into it to play. A wireless keyboard being just out of his reach. Anyway, at four years old, I'm impressed to say is already requesting regular favourites Rally X, Kick Rider, and Outrun, to name a few. Good, the proud father, proud father moment of the day happened when playing Forza Horizon Four on the Xbox. He stated it was boring and insisted and insisted switching on the arcade to play Chase HQ. The retro gene is clearly hereditary. Absolutely amazed how good Groovy Mame looks. To my somewhat untrained, untrained eye, I can't really tell the difference between this and genuine hardware. I now have a large paperweight which is taken in the form of an LCD bar top. That's so all they should be used for. The only slight niggle I have is displays with a 19-inch Hunter X monitor. All looks okay with the brightness turned down and the colours seem fine, but as soon as you turn up the brightness, the picture gets serious colour bleed. So there's some visible, fixed, horizontal lines displayed across the screen, thinking a cap kit might be in order sometime in the future. But in the meantime, I'll just resort to closing all the curtains. Summer is overrated anyway. Yeah, cap is, kit it, is might it help kit. More than yeah. likely, yeah. Have very much been enjoying, Mister. Do think a fair bit of time would be required for me to get any good at it. One point score incoming, but will definitely be kept on the favourites list for the future. I've also downloaded the arcade Sidekick app and been slowly adding my ten p scores up. This has got to be this has got to be playing several previous featured games, especially Miss Pac Man Speed up June first and Phoenix. Yeah. keep up the sterling work guys, my job requires hours of driving and a dose of the old ten pence definitely kills the monotony and stops me swearing at all the grockles that inv- grockles? I'll tell that you about inv- that in a minute. That invade Devon and Cornwall, uh, the roads this time of year
0: Now, a grockle is a word used in the, sou- the south west I used to use it when I was a kid um, of people who invade your town holiday makers, basically grockles right. we call them uh oh. it's, it's a it's a, a bad
1: term for a holiday maker. You want he wants you to do this last bit in a in the best. Get West them crockles point. out my
0: place. Here, what's
1: going on? Cheers, cheers me, handsome's proper job. Chris plus plus.
0: Uh, this is Chris Federico. Mr. Do is one of my favourite arcade games. You're going to think I'm crazy, Victor, but I like it a bit more than Dig Dog. because there's lot there's more to do. Ha. <sighs> And more freedom, in terms of how you choose to clear a level. Even with the greater variety, however, the direct and visceral pleasure of playing a simple action game somehow manages to remain intact. I don't think Mr. Do was derived from Dig Dug. I know it's popular to call it a Dig Dug ripoff, even given the major differences in gameplay, but it was only a few months between the release dates of the two games. That wasn't enough turnaround time to design a game, program it, master ROMs, ready the cabinets for manufacture, etc., especially back then. What's much more likely is that both games were heavily inspired by The Pit, a Taito game that actually isn't much fun, but introduced the side-on create-your-own-maze element. The creator of the great 8-bit computer game, Boulder Dash, for instance, cited The Pit as his main influence. I believe this was the case with Mr. Do and Dig Dug as well. To be fair, I must add that Sean Courtney had always been convinced that the the guys at Universal did indeed have enough time to play Dig Dug and copy the basic idea to create and release Mr. Do. As you know, Sean is no slouch in the Department of Intelligence, so his views should be taken into account as well. Either way, great game and great pick. Insert the inevitable Mr. Don't joke here for those who can't get the hang of the awesome game. Now, Chris++, plus plus, I have some information about that, which we'll get onto when we do review the game.
1: Mm. Andy Marsh, philosophical question for Victor. What's the latency of a resonant ping? Vic, four custard creamsworth, a normal next ping only takes... Oh, this is your reply. Four custard creams worth, a normal next ping, only takes two pink wafers. Yeah, it's obvious that. So Andy Marsh put, ah, so I was correct. The latency of the resonant ping is four custard creams is the same value as a unified custard ping copyright theorem copyright, which was discovered by Dr. Digestive D. Shortbread in 1984. Dr. D. D. S., no relation to Dr. Nintendo DS, discovered this phenomenon by observing a heated high score duel between Eugene Jarvis and Larry Larry DeMar on the very first Robotron 28-4 cabinet prototype. And I say, too, the pink wafers have no historical significance, but maybe there is a new theory relating to the normal ping yet to be discovered. I have no idea what I've just read. Yeah, I think you wrote it.
0: he's He's got his mad ideas from you. Yeah, it is good, it is good but I've, I don't, just don't know what's going on. Talking of mad ideas, Gary James Harris has been on the case. Just caught up on the last two episodes. Didn't play either game, but, you know, the next game is a good one, and I have the original PCB, along with a certain Mr Bobby Idard Moore. Always liked the Coleco version version because it was less frantic and a lot easier to manipulate the baddies and get the diamond on most levels. I may put a score up, I may not. Cracking podcast as always, when you two jokers going to do Check Man. And Mr Moore... Idod reckons Checkman is rather good as well.
1: I have played Checkman. It's quite a nice little game, that one. It's a grid kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. We've got this from Cine Steve. He showed me this
0: at the event, actually. He took a picture on his way there. Um, Back of a van. It was a back of a van. I think it was a uh, a Polish registration. And it was IS-I5-CRT. So that's basically ISIS-CRT. My little cabs are ISIS cabs. And
1: they have CRT Yay! monitors in. Jeremy Riley. I thought I had posted a score for Mr. Do, but it disappeared. Anyway, new top score tonight, right before the deadline. Mm. One of those games that gets its hooks into you with its apparent simplicity, but rewards repeated play with lots of depth. I have new appreciation for this game. Thanks, 10, 10 Pence Arcade. And so does one of us mm. Thomas Wrath of Khan.
0: He's got the best name. Uh, Brilliant podcast again, gents. Victor's Landed No Experience took me back in a weirdly awful but also nostalgic way to many Barry Island experiences with a Welsh side of my family. It sadly appears with Act Fancer. You found a game so broken, it even withered poor Sean's endless positivity. I'm so used to him being able to find gems in even the most humongous stack of poop that it was almost heartbreaking to hear Sean be like, I tried. I really did try, but I just (laughs) couldn't win with this one." Oddly enough, I can only say with this support from one source, the venerable Hardcore game in 101, but this appeared to be the third game in the ultra-real Darwin series from Data East. Even weirder, those two games are vertical shooters, not running guns. Vertical shooters are normally my bread and butter, but on that merit, I see a Darwin game heading towards me. I'm going to step on it before it gets to the children. The reboot Mega Drive version of Tight Runner is the bee's knees, but yes, sadly, Data East's graphical inventiveness has very rarely stacked up with the gameplay or actual graphical quality of their games. The highlights of the games are the weird moments like Fighters History, Did You Just Set a Ninja Clown on Fire randomness. Like, It's a Terrible Street Fighter clone, but you can see it set a clown who is a ninja on fire. I feel like this historically should count for something. I think that moment in Act Fanta happened when halfway through Level One, I got attacked by a literal ball of knobs. Onward and extremely upwards to Mr. Deer, which until tonight I had never thought of the pleasure of playing, but I already love. Ahem. Signing off. <laughs> Friendly
2: outs.
0: I am going to shout out to Mr. Paul Higgins for sending me biscuits and those little mini-games all the way from America. The mini-games from America, the, the biscuits from around here. Everyone I spoke to at Revival who gave us some lovely comments about the podcast and also the talks we did, so thank you very much for that. It makes it all worthwhile. Thank you. I also have to shout out and give A to Smarty Martin, Roger and you, Mr. Holly for organising a lot of the cab moving. Mm, if it wasn't for you, you guys, we wouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And also, thank you to all the revival people, all the staff there, Craig, and everyone who put all their efforts into it and made a really, really cool event for us all.
1: Yeah, it was good.
0: It's one of the best. Mr. Deadlock, our Irish friend, who we had breakfast with on Sunday mornings in the same hotel as us. And poor old Neil, 20-5, to five, being too poorly to come to Revival. Get well soon. You were sorely missed. And he is on the mend. He's getting well soon, kids. Don't worry about him. He's all right.
3: Victor nearly forgot Phil Eaton, who kept him company on the drive home.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to shout out to every, every, everything you said, Vic. Uh, thanks for all the the biscuits and the LSD Viagra pills and cheese <laughs> and the games and the T-shirt, everything. And also going to give a shout out, you know, I mentioned a couple of shows ago, uh, there's a girl called Tracy who's, who's going for top score. She's on pretty good on Joust, isn't she? She got to up to four and a half million a couple of weeks ago. Oh my and Lord! She's, and she's done it. She's got 9,999,999 points.
0: Oh wow, she got max on Joust.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. How long did you know how long it took her to do that? I think it's been a couple of months. You know, that's solid play. Like she doesn't play it at home; she plays it like for nine hours a day at arcade club. Wow, this is what we
0: need—more excellent girl players. Well done, Tracy. That's absolutely—you know what she's going to get for that. And.
1: (laughs) <laughs> two pings, two honks. That's so good. Yeah, well done, Tracy. And yeah, just to say again, a great, great community feeling of revival. Everyone there, so good, isn't it? So cool. Can't wait for next year's now. Mm. Well, they're probably one before next year. They usually have a little one in the
0: winter, don't they? Winter warmer. I could do. Yeah, oh, I, I do, do hope so. They're really good. The little ones.
2: Arcade Master Quiz.
0: Your name, sir? Mr.
1: Sean Holly. And your specialized subject? Coin operated video games from 1972 to 2012. And your first question start the timer. Yes. Bing! Meredith.
0: <laughs> what kind of game is Atari's 1976 game Cops and Robbers? It's like Boot Hill. <laughs> nope. It's a car game. It's like Boot Hill. You go up and down the side. It's a car game, though. Got yeah, cars I... in it.
1: Yeah, but you go up I'll and I'll give down you
0: the... half a point. I'll give you 0. 0.6 of a point.
1: 0.6?
0: Yeah. What colour is the play area on Hyanko Alien? Blue. Correct. What is the th- maximum point score on Space Launcher when docking your space rocket? 4,000. Correct! He's on fire. Yeah. Number four. What kind of game is Birdie King by Taito? Golf. Correct!
2: Yeah.
0: What kind of people play actual golf? Nerds. That's not what I got on my answer. Bumholes.
4: Number a trick six. Question.
0: What yeah. colour is Mustache Boy's moustache? Brown. It's red. And this looks like a, a fun game. Remember that one. Number seven. Name two bootlegs of asteroids.
1: Meteor. Yes. Space rocks. Correct.
0: And the I made one- up space rocks. No, the other ones are asteroid. Hyperspace, Meteorites and Aerolitos.
1: You're getting two points for that then. You get one point. Why not? Why can I Number eight,
0: eight. How disturbing does the German language version of Wizard War of War sound?
1: Very. Mm, can you expand on that? Very, very disturbing.
0: Incredibly creepy I've got here. I can give you another point four of a point for that. <laughs> Number That's nine. i am supposed to get stuff you've made up? Well, you should know these things. Okay. What character do you control in Pon Poco, and what colour is it? Got to hurry it, you. Is, is it a, a blob thing? No, it's a red cat. Quack, quack. The last so one. What? Name yeah. five Atari games that use a trackball. I'm going to get five points with this, then, if I get them. You're going to get one point. You get
1: point two of a point each. That's crap. Must hurry you. Can't you can't have five answers to one for one point? Anyway, <laughs> Miss Alcheman. No, you lose
0: that question because you're hassling the question master.
1: Centipede. Well, what was that again? Miss Alcheman, centipede. Yeah. Two. I've gone blank. Crystal Castles. Three. Quantum, is that Atari? Yes, four.
0: Oh, um. No, you didn't get them all in time, mate. Sorry. I'm getting point eight of a thing, though. <laughs> point eight of a thing. <laughs> Come on, you must God, know what's... another one.
1: I've gone blank.
0: Uh, oh, football. The Atari football game. Yes, you could have chose some of these. Millipede. Marvel oh, Madness, God, Rampart, uh, Atari Football, Atari Basketball, uh, and Shoes—the are the other ones you didn't get. Shoes? Shoes. It's where you throw uh, shoes, horseshoes, around a thing.
2: Uh, so you got know. nearly six. all of
0: it, nearly all of them right. But, but eight, I think, nearly all of them right. That's oh, about equal point- to
1: what I did last week when I got loads right. Well done. You give me a point six and a point four for some reason. So with that, I've got six out of ten. I think it was probably more than seven or so. Well done. You're
0: getting better. I might have to do some harder ones next time. I can't believe you didn't get the the fact that bumholes play golf. Well, that's just... That's your opinion. It's fact.
2: Feature game review.
0: Right. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, This was picked, sort of, by our friend Ian Ski because he loves this game and he's asked me to do it loads of times and he keeps moaning it's better than Dig Dug. He's not right, but we have eventually done
1: Mister Do. Right, I'll I'll let uh, I'll let you read this and I then will, I'll go will go to sleep. So good. This and wake wake up when it's all over. This
0: game is Mister Dot Do exclamation mark or exclamation point depends what country you're in, and the Japanese is. Mr Do. <laughs> this is from Universal nineteen eighty two. It is a vertically oriented maze type game, it uses a Z80 CPU, a uh, four-way stick and one button to chuck your magic bouncy ball. It sounds just like this. <laughs> Now, before we continue this preface 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 or a disclaimer. This game has similarities to Dig Dug, which is a favorite game of mine and was made after Dig Dug, but is not a copy. It has elements of Dig Dug, but it's a very much a game of its own. I do mention similarities to Dig Dug in the game description. To play the game, you control your lovely clown around a screen full of dirt and tunnels, exactly the same kind of scene as Dig Dug, which we covered way back on 10p podcast number 30. There are cherries scattered around the static screen levels in groups of 8. If you eat the cherries, you get 50 points each, and you'll notice the tone or note increase as you eat them continuously. If you get all eight in one continuous movement, you get a bonus of 500 points. There are also apples lying around the tunnels. Massive apples. They're as huge. big as Mr. Clowney, even. They're huge. You can push these around with ease and are great for blocking tunnels and dropping on baddies' heeds. The baddies are called creeps and look like mental penguins. They actually look very like the snow bees in Pengo. Yes. Mm. The creeps start in the centre of the screen out of a generator-type thingy. When all of them have been released, a food bonus item is left in their place. It includes biscuits and cocktails, a perfect pairing. Oh, yeah. Very similar to another Universal game, Ladybug. Now, killing creeps. You chuck your magic bouncy ball at them or drop apples on their heads. Dropping apples can take up multiple baddies and increase the points, just like Dig Dug. These monsters turn into diggy dudes after a while and can dig through the dirt... Whereas the creeps had to follow the tunnels, again, just like Dig Dug. But with the Dig Dug monster, they turn into ghosts when they travel through. When you lob your bouncy ball, it hares around the tunnels, bouncing like crazy, looking for creeps to take out. If it doesn't hit anything, it will keep bouncing, leaving you open to attack. When it does hit something, it magically transports back to your clown's massive pocket after a short pause. Each time you use the ball, the pause gets longer. Didn't know that. When you collect the center food bonus, all the remaining creeps are frozen, but still deadly... And the alpha monster, TM, is released with his three blue chompy monster bodyguards. These guys come after you, but the alpha monster just seems to wander about. Wandering about being deadly, though. So kill him with your bouncy ball or drop an apple on his heed. The blue monsters are a bit clever or greedier than the creeps. So they can eat the apples, whether dropped or in their way. They're generally a bit harder to kill off. But a bouncy ball and then an apple can knock all of them out in one hit if you're a good player. If the alpha monster is killed... The blue guys and alpha monster are turned into apples and the creeps come back into play. Beware any of these new apples don't fall on you. They can also kill off the baddies when they fall. Uh, Talking of apples and baddies, they can also shove them off drops onto you. So beware. This is dead annoying when one of them hits you with a flipping apple. They don't do it on purpose, but when they move it around, if you're in the way of it, you will get killed. The alpha monster is called Alpha because he moves around... The word extra, E X T R A, at the top of the screen. When he is summoned by you eating the centre food item, or every five thousand points, or if you take out multiple creeps, whatever letter he is on, it sticks to his big belly. And when you get him, the letter is illuminated. When you get all the letters to make up the word extra, you get an extra miss to do and a crappily animated but adorable cutscene. <laughs> A level can be finished by either eating all the cherries on the level, killing all the creeps, or getting the last letter in the extra bonus. It immediately stops and you get the extra life. Or if you get an elusive diamond. If you get the diamond, you get 8,000 points and you get an extra credit to the game. So if you were playing on a coin-operated machine at the time, you get an extra game for free. Worth 10 pence. Mm-hmm. now the gameplay scoring of this game eating a cherry is 50 points eating a series of 8 in a row is 500 point bonus uh, killing a monster, a single monster with a powerball is 500 uh, killing a monster with an apple is 1000 2 monsters, 2000, 3 monsters, 4000 4 monsters, 6000 or 5 or more monsters with an apple is 8000 points and as I just said the diamond is 8000 points as Well, but the diamond is only on the screen for 15 seconds so get it quick now, the bonus food in the centre include cakes for a thousand, biscuits for fifteen hundred points, Yay. cherry candy, two thousand, ice cream, two and a half thousand, a burger, three thousand, a different kind of cake, three and a half thousand, chocolate bar, four thousand, sandwiches, bacon, I think, four and a half thousand, milk, five thousand, fried egg, six thousand, uh, something that looks like rum ham, seven thousand, and a cocktail worth eight thousand points. What's rum ham?
2: this is ham soaked in rum
0: after each scene that ends in a three a six or a nine you're given a little stat screen showing your level score and how you ended the level whether it was cherries creeps x or the diamond now with this game there are quite some if you sort of get into the tactics of this game and learn them it's a very enjoyable game if you try and play it just by running around the screen collecting things and shooting stuff, you won't get very far. You've got to work out how to play the game properly, and hopefully some of these tips and secrets will help you. Use the apples to block areas of a tunnel. If you just shove them slightly, you can block a tunnel, and the monsters can't get past, and they'll sort of stand and hang about there because they're idiots. And if, if you drop one on them, it'll squash them, but if you leave them there, eventually one of them will turn into a digger, and as soon as he turns into a digger, he digs out the area under the apple and squashes him and his mates. And sometimes you can just leave them there and go off doing your own thing, and they'll just kill themselves. It's good to kill, let them do that, the dope he gets. Uh, get alpha <laughs> monsters to give you extra lives as often as possible, so wait until you get the letter you need, because when the alpha monster's moving across the top, he'll dwell on the, on the letters you haven't collected for a few seconds, but he'll, he'll go quite quickly over the ones you have got already. So it's quite a good idea to get those, and you will get them quite quickly. Because you know, the alpha monster will come out if you kill, like I think, two or more monsters at one go, and every 5,000 points will come out on his own, and also if you summon him by getting the, the fruit in the middle. So it's quite right. easy to get the, the extra lives quite quickly. Do the eight cherries in a row as much as possible, uh, mainly because I like the tune it makes, and you get 500 points at the end of it. And do not play it like you play Dig Dug. It really is not the same game. You cannot do it like that. Hang around above apples and stupid creeps will gather underneath, trying to get to you. Because the apple's in the way, they'll just hang around there. And as soon as one of them turns into the digging guy, they'll squash themselves again, because they're idiots. Uh, You can throw your ball through thin layers of dirt that the monsters can't walk through. Very like using your pump on Dig Dug through the dirt. You can just get them and they can't get to you, so it's quite good doing that. Mm. If you're carrying your ball, the alpha monsters stay away, but if you've launched it, he will come after you. He knows when you've got rid of your ball, so you're vulnerable to him. And when you collect the centre prize, which brings out the um, alpha monster and his gang of goons, your Powerball delay is reset. So it doesn't take longer and longer and longer. It's reset to the the quickest pace. So that can help you sometimes. Use it to your advantage. Right. Now, the graphics and sound in this game are... It's a 1982 game, did I say? Mm. I believe it is. So they're quite primitive, but they're cute, colourful. They've got gorgeous fonts which I really like. The universal font's all quite similar to this style of game. Mm. Uh, childishly drawn, partly animated cutscenes between certain levels, and when you get an extra life, just add to the charm of this game. It's really, really nice. It's like a kid's drawn them. Nice tunes in a game with distinctive sound throughout the game. Uh, music changes when the alpha monster and his hench monsters appear. Also, separate tunes for the bonus and cutscenes, etc., I also quite like the animation when you lose a life, because Mr. Do kind of falls over.
1: Mm. He sort of tumbles, lands on his head. I do like the graphics and sound. The sounds are, like, iconic, very... You can hear them sort of resonating around the arcade. Yeah, I do like them. This is one
0: of the ones you could hear through the arcade. You sort of walk in, you heard that noise. The cabinet art, uh, the original cabinet is a standard Universal cab. Uh, it's a white cab with orange and yellow stripes up the side of it with Universal and a really cool Universal sort of Western font. And the, the art is quite colourful on it, even though it's just like a, you know, sort of kit form. You had a Mr. Do across the top with a green graphics and Mr. Do in a really cool font with sort of like candy stripes in it. And the back of the cab is quite weird. It's like a really sort of sort of hallucinogenic kind of, Trippy, colourful, psychedelic kind of thing going on,
1: and it's. I, quite... I, I like that. I had I had that as my phone background for quite some time. That that circle, that sort of it's psychedelic like sort of colour wheel, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good.
0: Yeah, it's quite a nice looking thing, but they're very generic kind of kind of look really. But those games from sort of the the, the early eighties, Universal, were all very similar kind of graphics, kind mm. of style, and it's also a very generic looking sort of black cocktail cabinet as well. Mostly in the UK, when I was a kid, Mr. Do was in all sorts of cabinets, obviously with a kit. The marquee, control panel, and sometimes a screen bezel. Sub-Electro had a licensed Isis cab with Mr. Do in it, but the art was generic to the Sub-Electro brand. And Fraser had a nicely done Isis cab at Revival, This was right next to the Alex's Rescue cab. Mm. Well, it had a custom marquee and back art, which Ollie Muddy Music did in uh, its instructions for the game, which worked really nicely in that little area there. He's going to get a better joystick for that and some, cool tr- con- and some control panel art, and hopefully going to keep that cute little cow, because it is a really nice little cow he's got there. Now, trivia. This is one of the first arcade games to release as a conversion kit. It went on to sell 30,000 units in the United States. Quite a lot of games. I've already said this one already. Uh, you find a diamond after dropping an apple, sparkling when a level, you get 8,000 points and a free credit. only takes 15 seconds, so you've got to get it quick. And according to Wikipedia, in the Japanese version of this game, you're a snowman. Now, I couldn't no. get to play the Japanese version because on my main, all three clones of Mr. Do didn't work on there for some reason. It must be like a, a new ROM version. They've, we've re-dumped the ROMs or done something to it. So I was playing on a 60-1 on a cab and obviously playing at a revival as well. Now, this is an interesting one. I'm trying to follow this one up at the moment. In 1989, Electrocoin, which was a a big importer of Universal, and I think John Sturgis, who was uh, the head of Electrocoin, I was told he was actually on the board of a lot of these companies, so on the board of directors. So in 1989, Electrocoin apparently expanded Mr. Do and made a 99-level version, because Mr. Do's only got 10 levels. Um, But I think it was unreleased. I've never seen it. Um, and I have sent an email already, but it bounced because the the electrical email isn't working for some reason. But when I talked to John Sturges, when I helped clean out one of the the arcades in London that was, was run by ElectroCoin, he said that um, he had a, a hand in the level design because the levels on Mr. Do when you start it's a, it's a zero, it's a one, and then there's a two dug out in the dirt, and three, four, etc. Dug out in the dirt, and he said he was he had a part in that level design which is quite cool so and he also told us in reply to chris Plus's um feedback earlier i said oh it's a it's a off of dig dug he said yeah we did actually take ideas from dig dug so that was really from the horse's mouth because he had a design in the level to it and he had good he had good oh, i was a really really good terms of universal because he obviously imported a lot of their game so i, I sort of believe that but I've um, I've been trying to get into this this 99 level version, trying to find out about it, and I've put a picture on the on the web notes on the show notes um, from a computer video games back in the in the 80s, and it's got a picture on there of Mr. Do with bananas instead of cherries on it. So they must have got wow. that far in doing graphics for it in different level design. So I really really like to play that. So if anyone knows if it is out on Mame already on like a misfit meme or something, get in contact with us, but I've not seen it and I'm not sitting in the clones. I would really like to get hold of that. So I've I've emailed them and I'll try again with another email I just I kind have of actually spoken to John Sturgeys before an email, I asked him some questions before about Universal, so hopefully get hold of him and try
1: and find out a bit more about that. Been nice to interview him, wouldn't it? he been involved in loads of things, hadn't he? Oh, what God, we've...
0: yeah. The stories John told us when, when we cleared out that, that place that time were fascinating. He was a really, really nice guy. He brought us breakfast afterwards. There was a few of us there. And we were speaking to him about Universal. But I was talking to Roger that night as well, at Revival, about Universal. And, and John had his, his finger in a lot of pies with the Japanese... Taito and Konami and they used to import a lot of games because Electricon were massive in, this, in the 70s and 80s and they're still going now they still produce leisure machines nowadays
2: mm.
0: so it's interesting to find out you know how much influence they had on these games they used to test games for the different companies and stuff fascinating stuff and I know uh, Julian from JAMA plus had a lot of the um, prototype boards from from the offices of Electronic when John's cleared it all out so, I'm not sure where they are now, but it'd be interesting to sort of find out a bit more about those. But yeah, a lot of stuff Electrocoin did back then. Mm. Now we get onto the scores. And there's quite a few. Oh my lord, it's quite a
1: long score list. We have 47 players plus us two, so it's 49 players. Yeah, cool, it's a good one. Then. You know it's a good, it's a good one, one,
0: Sean. Now, but here this, we go. This,
1: I'm doing the first one. I'm doing the first <laughs> one.
0: This is a total on its head move. We have Mr. Ch- David Line, Charlie Farr, at the bottom of the list. He got minus fifty points. I don't know he did it, but he got minus fifty. He calls it Mr. Minus
1: minus fifty. I really, really tried, honest. Well, I'm next with eleven thousand eight hundred and fifty. I did. I had one going to switch it off because I find it very fiddly and annoying and not fun. I just well, don't like it. Can I just it. give you a? I, I did play it when we did the sixty and one we were doing trying to do five levels of every game on the sixty and one board, weren't we? And I got I got about halfway through it, but I did five levels of Mr. Do and it took me two hours of swearing. And <laughs> I said then, I said, I'm not playing this again, it's just not for me. I don't like it. it's just the only thing I can think why I don't like it is it is fiddly. It's kind of fiddly You're gameplay. Fiddly. Do you want massive points? You've got to mess around a lot, and I can't be bothered. So I got eleven thousand eight hundred and
0: fifty. Do, you know Do you know what you are? Yeah, a curmudgeon. <laughs> now next up on the on the rubbish points. Sorry, Delta Lima. Oh no, sorry. This is Jamie Delta Limas. This is his son, it's a little eighteen thousand three hundred. He beat you, Sean. Yeah. Jamie is saying in your face, Holly. Yeah, everybody is in
1: your face.
0: And this was 18,300 points while hosting his first arcade party. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give him...
1: Give him a ping. Nice. Well done. Benson Lott, 18,950. My first chance to take part in a high score. Had about 30 minutes one night and only achieved this score. Strange game, but in the few minutes I was already feeling the familiar call of just one more try. Absolutely. Paul
0: Higgins, 28,050. Could only get a few games in, but to be honest, not really feeling Mr. Do.
1: The real one-punch Rob, who was uh, Robert talked to earlier on. 28,350. First score submission, and Mr. Do can Mr. Do won. (laughs) Quite liked it, but not very good at it. Enemies are a bit too quick for me, and you can't turn around and throw quick enough. That's another thing that annoyed me. Yeah, tactics,
0: mate. You need the tactics. You can't play it like Dig Dug. You can do that on Dig Dug. You can't play it on this game. Andrew Hannay 28,950. I know it's a classic, but didn't really play it back in the day. It just kind of gets a bit boring after the first screen. And the baddies are way too intelligent for me. Four-way joystick
1: is a must. Yep, definitely. Exploding Pinball Man, 29,750. This one kept me hungry with all that cake.
0: Mmm. Paul Magaski, 30,500. There was a lot going on in this game. My brain can't figure it all out.
1: Good to see you, Paul. There's loads of people on there. The, the, the thing, I think, Kitty Ping, thirty-three, one hundred and fifty. Good game. Music driving me potty though, so don't. So more like Mister Don't for me.
0: Oh, I like the music,
1: Mister Ross Ross.
0: Cheesy Ross Ross, we we'll call him. Thirty-five thousand one hundred. <laughs> this is the best I can Mister do. Ten score seems the harder I try to get bonuses, the lower my score. Dig, Dug, I prefer. Fair enough. Mm. Matthew Bridge, thirty-eight, seven hundred. John T. 39,500. Long-time listener. First-time contribution to the Tempe score. Don't know what I was Mr. Doing. Yeah. Really, but a fun game nevertheless. Here's my score from the Revival Events on Sunday. I got it live at the events.
1: Thomas, Wrath of Khan, 39,550. This game draws me like an infernal magnet. Ooh.
0: Rob, Arcade79, 41,250. Dig, Doug. Sorry, Mr. Do. Easy mistake to make. What a clown. Having spent time with it hating it, I'm now starting to become fond of the little
1: ball-wielding juggler. Me and Mr. <laughs> Cage both give it a thumbs up. Alan Delta himself, 45,400. Enjoying playing this, but not improving quick enough.
0: Johnny Cage. Is he that geezer from Mortal Kombat? 45,400.
1: Sal Bug, 48,800. Super fun little game, and it wins for the best high score name entry music. Love it.
0: It has got very good high score music, and it sounds just like this. Andrew Driver. 49,100. Mr. Do is such an improvement on
1: that thing from last time. Cat fancier? Ah, Sullivan Sol, 50,600. Do never it. Spend Do his, my... voice. Do uh, his voice. his never... voice. I never spent much time with Mr. Do. I I have a lot to learn.
0: That's it, isn't it? Sol does not sound like a Victorian gentleman. <laughs> God, you sa- know it. He Go sounds on. like a pigeon fancier. Never spent much time with Mr. Do. Have a lot to learn. <laughs> Lovely seeing him and his brother over the weekend. Yeah. Neil, 20 to 5. Get well soon, Neil. 51,050. I'll let the initials do the talking. Mr. Don't. And he put guff on
1: his initials. G-U-F. He, naughty man. Good it, Neil. Michael Vortman, 54,900. Really like two weeks. But now it's beginning to annoy me because why on earth are the little buggers always faster than me?
0: Yeah, uh, you got you got to play the tactics. I keep getting that as well. You've got to get them in the right place. ZX Michael, 66,400. It's a game I would like to get good at, but like Dig Dog, I never am. The only thing I've mastered is
1: suicide by Apple. Ooh. Another new guy, Gav the Scav, <laughs> 66,600. Gav the Scav. Love this game. First played it on a BBC Micro in the 80s at a local youth centre.
0: Yep. Chris Mooncaster boot like oh I beat him good sixty nine thousand one hundred fifty nearly forgot the cutoff was tomorrow might get a better score before then you didn't ha I got steal tonight before us play before we come to this podcast seventy thousand dead then st-
1: well done um, so what did you say then seventy k exactly seventy thousand. Right, so you're there then, I shall put that in the high score table. Uh huh. Ben, ben of Steel, fresh from selling cutlery, is got 71,200. A new one to me, really enjoyed playing this over the last week. Seems basic, but the tactics run so deep in this game. One I'll definitely be returning to.
0: Yeah, Mark, what? No gravy.
1: 78,750, not that good at Mr. Do, better than me. I think he might have got that at Revival as well, mm. maybe. He is Jimmy... 87.50, Mr. So-So. This grew on me over the last two weeks. I still wouldn't love it, but no longer hate it. That's good. That's a
0: plus. Matt Neo MK, 81,550. No time to play this Stonewall Classic. Colourful, graphics, nice sound and controls, even on an 8-weight.
1: Sorry, Victor, it's better than Dig Dug. No. <laughs> no Jeremy Riley yes Jeremy Riley 81,700 not a bad little game and it reminded me I have a friend who is really good at it LNZ LNZ but my moral compass prevents, prevents me from submitting his score as mine oh nice one now the Greasy Strangler 85,800 one
0: of the all time greats awesome choice P score won't clean my high scores to compete frozen shoulders proven to be a hindrance
1: Mmm. Brian Harry eighty-seven, three hundred Can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something not quite right about Mr. Do. Yeah, he's just not good at it. Magoc, 88,250.
0: Thanks for making me play this challenging game, and in the last minute, getting slightly above Mike McGuinness' score from
1: the old No Quarter Mr. Doo episode. Well done. Rob Ty, 91,750. Big jump from 63 to 91,000. Even got a diamond, don't ask me how. That gave me an extra credit, but yet to nail the extra life.
0: What, you got 91,750 without winning extra lives? I I get extra lives just by accident. You don't
1: realise you get them sometimes. Uh, Mr. Tagster, 95,000 dead. Tactical Giles ninety nine four fifty. First time I've ever really given this game much time, and I'm really enjoying it. uh My best score ever when I was trying to get hundred k on this was
0: about ninety nine thousand. So I'm, I'm I, I did do that once when i was really playing it, and hopefully I want to do a hundred thousand. So I want to keep playing at it. Mark Happy Dude has got over a 100, 128,250. Not had too many games, unfortunately, as you can see by the high scores. Small number of games played, six, that's really good. But in actuality, beginning to feel this game, I will add to these faves. Good pick, well done to whoever chose it. Uh,
1: that was uh, Iansky. Ian Cullen, 136,900, can you do the Scottish voice? No. Okay. Anyway, he's, he's put I'm sure I used to be better at this. Problem is that I try and concentrate on pulling off the fancy moves like the guy in that video and just end up dying instead. That's QED's
0: video probably. Delusional's Arcade, 143,150 and that is just him setting the bar. A good bar, mind.
1: Mm. Rai Gar-Gar, r 143, 200. Best I could manage tonight, sad yeah. face. That's good. good. Jason Barber, 147, 700. i really enjoying this, although it drives you
0: crazy after a while. Classic risk and reward balance. Getting as many extra lives early seems to be the key because it gets manic very
1: quickly. Ooh, and in... Oh, hang on, no, we've still, we're still got it's loads a few, of yeah. yeah, Ben Granville, 149, 900. I never gave Mr. Do much of a chance until now. I always thought it was a weird Dig Dug ripoff. This game is 1982 perfection.
0: Yeah, it's not a rip-off. It's just similar. Ten Shearers, 155,900. Fantastic game. Similar style of gameplay to the classic Dig Dug, but Mr. Do has a lot more strategy and the enemies are not as predictable. Nice pick, Iansky.
1: Mm. Steve Tyke, 600 Only managed around 80,000 at Leeds but got this score last night at home. Happy with that great game. Mm. Ian Davies, 178,550. I truly love this game.
0: Been playing it on and off since the mid 80s. I'm old. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to get more than this, so here you go with a week to spare. Ruddy, marvellous podcast as ever. I really look forward to you talking about the Stone Cold
1: Universal Classic in detail. Chris Plus Plus, 186,200, and we've already read his comments out. Thank you for playing, Chris. Now, the score jumps quite a bit
0: now. This is Greg Mariotti. I presume he's been eating biscotti when he's playing this. (laughs) Uh, 320,350. Mr. Do is a super deep game and in my top three of all time. It's a far superior... No, it's not. It's a far superior game to Dig Dug. This game never gets boring with so many ways to finish a level. Maybe the first arcangel with randomly generated levels too. Sorry, Vic.
1: They're not randomly generated.
0: Mm. Mm, not sure what's on about that.
1: Is the the baddies coming out, spawning? Is that random? or? I don't think so. Mm. Anyway, in second place, Ooh. get getting nine points for the 10 pence high score league table. Jumped again, has not it, the score? is Trollnads, Mr. Trollnads, is 529,600. Big fan of Mr. Dew, although I prefer Mr. Dew's castle. Yeah. Next
0: time I see Mr. Trollnads, I want to watch him play this. I want to get some of his uh, his knowledge on this game. It's good. But, and we thought this was going to happen because of the video we watched, Mr. QED, 745,950. Took a while to get my Mr. Dew juices flowing. Not bad considering I haven't played in over a year. Amazing player. Ooh. So good. Well done, Mr. QED. <laughs> I'm man mad tonight, me. Now, parts and sequels of this game. Uh, Mr. Do once appear in Mr. Do and the Unicorns, also known as Mr. Do's Castle, uh, Do Run Run, and Mr. Do's Wild Ride. Now, they don't play anything like Mr. Do, but they use him as the main character, sort of an IP uh, this little clown does get about a bit. Uh, Visco developed Neo Mr. Do for the Neo Geo platform in 1997. This is a revamped, zooped-up version of the same game. Now, there was loads of boots and computer rip-offs. Uh, the ones I know of on the arcade, uh, Mr. Low or Yankee Do. Uh, one I played as a kid was called Mr. Dig on the Atari 8-bit and the Commodore 64. It's a really good little version written by uh, Rita J. Uh, Mr. E on BBC is a really, really good version as well. The official ports for were for the Atari 2600, ColecoVision, the Tomy Tutor, NSX, Atari 8-bit, Commodore 64, Game Boy, SNES, Game Boy Color, the J2ME, I'm not sure what that is, and on the Wii Virtual Console. I presume, I presume that was an arcade perfect version. And a pixel perfect, perfect version appeared on the X68000, of course, being a super-duper arcade computer.
1: Right, Summary and improvements I've just put one word, nope I'm never going to play it again I didn't like it, I can understand why people get into it though and I do think it is a good game but definitely not for me (laughs) Now I don't
0: really think you can improve the game maybe some variation on the fruit for different point scores maybe, it's a simple thing to change A a hack could even do it maybe more um, levels. Yeah, well, there's ten levels, and, and obviously the ElectroCoin version we're trying to find, the 99-level version, might be a bit different. But the only thing you can do with the levels is just change the tunnels to start with, because you, you build your own tunnels anyway, just like Dig Dug. Mm. So I am very interested to see that version. Um, but the only thing you can sort of change in the game is maybe put some non-diggable terrain in it later on, so you, you, know, you might get trapped, and you can trap the monsters and not dig through it. Uh, maybe a freeze weapon. So when you get a certain thing, it freezes the monsters for five seconds or something. But the game is such a classic and it, it works really well as it does. As long as you know the tactics and know how to play the game, it's like it's like a lot of other games like Dig Dug and, and 1942 and these classic games. You need to know how to play it. And even Dig, I mean, even um, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong seems almost impossible to play when you first play it. When you learn things about the game and how to do things and it's a certain way of doing things, it gets more enjoyable, and you can get better at it. And I think that's what it's like with Mr. Do. And I find it a very, very, very addictive game. Because I wanted to play it a revival, but the the machines there, the joysticks weren't brilliant on them, so I couldn't really play them. And We were playing a lot of Rescue, and I was playing 1942 and some other games as well. But I really wanted to get into it. So I played it tonight before the podcast. It's the only time I've had to play it tonight. And I was playing it for an hour straight. And I was getting like you know, forty to 60,000 points every time, and then I got my 70,000. And I was learning bits as I was playing it, and I was realising I was making the mistakes. And I think you do need to know a little bit of patterning as well into the game. But I really... It is a classic game. I mean, I was always joking with with um, with Ski that, you know, Mr. Do is just a poor man's Dug. It's not. It's a very, very different game. You could kind of say uh, Space Invaders... And Galaxian have got similarities, but they're very different games. And I think that's the kind of thing with Mr. Do and Dig Dug. So mm. I think it's a very classic game, and I really want to beat 100,000. When I beat 100,000, I'll rest, but I'm going to keep at this game. Right. Mm. So I can't, I, I don't understand how you didn't like it, but you're not that much of a fan of Dig Dug either, are you? No, I don't like that either. No, is, it's it, just... is it because
1: you can only do shooting, you can't do tactics? It's I don't know. It's, I just think I just find the gameplay fiddly for some reason. And I, what? I you got to don't... do more
0: than just shoot stuff in the face.
1: Yeah, and it, it's... you're a one trick <laughs> pony, Holly. I just don't find it enjoyable.
0: Really don't. Oh, Mr.
1: Holly, 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 Holly.
0: What are we gonna do with you, eh? <laughs> Next show's game. Right. Let's hope my pick. Is going to please you a bit, and I don't think it will because I've already told you what it is. Yeah, it? You don't like it on. already. Now, I'm just going to play some music, and I'll give the listeners a few seconds to see if they can work out what it is. The music sounds just like this. <laughs> <we sing> it? <laughs> Everyone should know by now with that perfect rendition, and we're going to do nemesis also known as Gradius. we're going to do nemesis because the the nemesis ROM version, which is just nemesis loads a lot faster because the gradius has as bubble ram and a uh, bubble ROM whatever it's called and it's got to load up it takes ages to load up. so we're going to use nemesis ROM version. Three lives normal difficulty, extra lives at 50,000 points and every hundred thousand points that's the standard setting. Please submit your scores on Twitter with hashtag tenp score hashtag one zero p s c o r e, or on Facebook as comment, or on a podcast post, Twitter, email, pictures if you like, whatever. And the deadline for score submissions is the second of July,
1: five pm UK time. Please. And if you do put it on Arcade Sidekick, still tag me in on Twitter because I'll see it then.
0: Yes, please. Yeah, and put it and get the Ar- Arcade Sidekick. you have got already and follow us for our scores. Now we're going to get going in a minute. But the revival talk panel we did is on Alex's uh, site, I think, which i will put a, a show note on, and I'm hopefully going to put in. The audio on the end of the podcast. So listen, in if you want to listen to the audio, please, or go and watch it on video. Yeah,
1: I've I've sort of improved the audio, I've boosted it a bit, so it, it's nice and easy to listen to. Cool. Nice one, Sean. Uh that's
0: about all we can have time for, and we'll talk to everyone in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Bye.
1: Thanks for popping around, kids. Goodbye.
0: Bye. <laughs> Hello, welcome. We are the Tempence Arcade Podcast, Sean and I. Hello. Hello. And this is the Legends of Gaming. We have three esteemed guests here. On the end we have Tony Temple, woo. Hello. John Studley, woo. and David Lyne. Absolutely. More woos, please. <laughs> Just woo. and there we go. You may or may not know these guys. The two on the end you probably do know. Tony Temple is very famous for being the world record holder of Missile Command. Can you tell us, Tony, what that consisted of? Mike's mic's not working. What, what consisted of the on? The record, how you did it, and what settings you did on the arcade hardware? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, Miss was, um,
3: Miss Ockerman was my game as a kid uh, when I was 12 and 13, and I used to play it in my local town of Bristol. Uh, I used to go into Mad Harry's and play it down there, and in my local cafe um, in the area where, where I lived. And I was pretty good at it. Um, and, but of course, as we all know, the arcades <coughs> disappeared. Miss Ockerman got converted into Street Fighter or something horrific. Um, and uh, I never got a chance to play it again. And then, uh, you know, um, I got some, uh, got some exams and got some uh, qualifications, went to work. And um, fast forward to when I was sort of in my mid-30s I discovered something called eBay and I noticed that people were buying and selling arcade machines and I thought to myself, hmm, I remember that game, Miss Occamand, I wonder if I I can buy one. Um, uh, Without boring you all, I ended up... um, I found myself one day in the basement of Archer McLean's house um, which is uh, something uh, to be recommended and I got talking to Archer about arcade machines and restorations and I mentioned this game called Miss Occamand that I used to be pretty good at. And he said, like, Follow me, took me to a corner, and there was a missile command. And I hadn't seen one for, for years and years. Um, and so uh, we agreed a price, and Archer agreed to restore the missile command cabinet for me. And that was my, my, my first arcade machine. Um, and then I started playing it again at, at home and thinking, I've still got the chops. Okay? It's kind of like riding a bike, I think. When, if, if you're good at a video game, you, you, it sort of tends to be in, in your DNA somewhat and so I went on the internet and discovered that yeah you know there are are organisations out there who track high scores and um, I looked at what the high score was on Missile Command and it was something like 80 million points set by a guy called Victor Ali in 1984 and he played Missile Command for two and a half days
5: (laughs) (laughs) non-stop
3: non-stop for two and a half days and I thought yeah, well, I've, I've, by this time I had a wife and kids, and I thought, I, I'm old. I do not really want to stay awake for two and a half days. Although I kind of thought I could actually do it, um, uh, but then I discovered something called tournament settings. Um, am I going on? I'm sorry. Can I? No, you're good. No, no, interesting. very good. Keep going,
0: mate. Tell us the tournament set. That's what I was trying to try get to a little earlier about. Obviously, marathon is when you do it for days on end, right? It's endless, you can get endless lives. Indeed, but the way you do it, your record was very different. Indeed, yes. So, um,
3: tournament settings are uh, a setting on arcade machines that Twin Galaxies introduced, Twin Galaxies being the high score guys over in the US. Um, If you take Missile Command as an example, if if you play on standard settings, as we did in the arcades when we were kids, every 10,000 points you get a bonus city, or effectively a bonus life. So what that means is, if on every screen you're good enough to score 10,000 points, you can in theory play the game indefinitely. So don't worry about defending the cities, just shoot stuff down, score 10,000 points, and you get a bonus city and the game can continue. So this is why guys like Victor Ali can play the game for for two and a half days. You, know, you just play it forever, and then what it becomes is not really a test of your skill. It, it 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 to my mind anyway. It becomes a test of how long can I stay awake for? Because if you know you've got the skills to just keep playing this game, or it's just about staying awake, basically. Which kind of took the, it sort of struck me, that that didn't really strike me as a sort of true video game challenge. Although there's some merit to playing a game for two and a half days I suppose. What Tournament Settings does is it removes those bonus cities. So uh, if you're familiar with Missile Command you get six cities which you have to protect, so you've effectively got six lives. On Tournament Settings once they're gone, they're gone. So you only get six cities, you don't get any bonuses, that's it. and I thought, that high score is doable, and I thought, I'll have a crack at that. And um, at the time, uh, Walter Day from Twin Galaxy said to me, if you can beat the world record by the end of March, and it was like the middle of February, I think we could get you in to the Guinness Book of Records. So that was kind of my motivation to really to really go for it. Um sure what I did have to do in my case and I don't know if it's similar for you for you guys but um, I had to completely break my game down and restart it because playing under tournament settings is completely different to playing under marathon settings because subconsciously you're thinking well I'm okay because I'm going to get a bonus city anyway on marathon settings so it doesn't really matter if I mess something up or if I'm not particularly accurate um, with tournament settings you don't have that luxury so you have to be completely pinpoint accurate and you have to completely change the way you uh, play the game so I basically had six weeks to sort of deconstruct the way I played Missile Command and then sort of build it back up again using different strategies and different techniques Um, and on the 26th of May 2006 I beat the world record and uh, got myself into the Guinness Book that Victor is my Missile Command story and I committed to the house Thank you, sir. You,
1: you, you beat it by quite a stretch, didn't you? You beat so, it by a massive margin. So, yeah. Remember, right. these? Yeah.
3: Remember these? Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, um, the original world record, which was held for uh, 26 years, was 1.6 million points, and um, I scored 1.9 million points. And then two years later, I uh, beat it again and got 2.2 million points. Um, and then in uh, 2010, um, because this guy, John Stoodley, was... Kicking me and telling me I need to improve my score because people were snapping at my heels. Um, in 2010, I, I got it up to 4.4 million points. Wow! Um,
0: so that's that's a massive. That, that took just under three hours. Wow! Um, to do that, with, with not missing any of your, your cities at all. Well, you do
3: inevitably lose Now and again, yeah. It's not to. But yeah, you, wow. you, it's just sort of guarding your final city for for um, dear life. Yeah, 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 for dear life. So I was guarding that last city for sort of like two-thirds of the game. Wow.
4: Did you do that at home, Tony, or did, did you do that at an
3: event? Or? Yeah, I did, um, I did the last score at home, and I recorded it on DVD and sent it to the refs over in um, Texas. Uh, but the, the second score I got, I, I did live. Um, which, again, is another debate which probably these guys can talk about, which is around, is it le- legitimate to set an arcade world record at home and film it and send it in, as opposed to doing it live in front of
0: people. I hope
3: so. Um, so um, (laughs)
4: Taking
0: what you just said there, Tony, we'll move on to John, who did do his record live. And can you tell us a little bit about that, John,
4: what it is? Right, yes. It was a little bit different to Tony because I played live in the arcades like most of the guys did here. So I got into Pac-Man 1981. It wasn't really my game. When I got into Pac-Man 81, my brother used to play, and I typically played Berserk, which was a game from um, 1980. So just to help him out, I would play a two-player game. So within six months, I was a million-point player on Pac-Man. Um, in when I was 14, 1983, I had the at the time was the unofficial world record, so I had 3.221 million. But after that, I didn't play. From 85 onwards, that was where I was done with video games. And it was only in 2008 that I sort of got back into to playing video games as well. Met Tony, uh, got a, a, an arcade cab off him, so I started to get back into playing again. Then I found out about the um, Bill Mitchell and the perfect gamer Pac-Man. Um, and when I played when I was younger, I was very confident. I was convinced I was the best player. So it was to revisit that. And It was almost a unique um, point of view for me because I was there to beat my old score and to carry on from where I left off. So since I've played, I've only played live, so I've played at every major event in the UK. I've been to the States for probably five or six years with Tony, so we played live in America as well. So I finally beat my 3.221 million score from June 83, um, live, at fun spot in America. So then I was pushed, mainly by Tony as well, to go for this perfect game. And I was sort of convinced at the time that a perfect game wasn't possible. It was something that you uh, was born from the likes of Maine. So with Maine, you can obviously advance, you can pause, you can choose what board that you want to practise on. So it was sort of a game to go for a perfect game. So I decided then, let's do it live, let's do it the correct way. So with help from a guy called Tim Balderamos, who's one of the, the perfect players in America, he did some live streaming on Twitch. It was just me and him, so we do a private Twitch stream. Then he was doing some what's called freehand grouping. So if you know anything about Pac-Man on the first galaxy, it's called the first one second board. So when you eat one of the power pills, the ghosts turn blue for one second, so you've got one second to get all four ghosts. And you have to do that every single board, every single one second board. And the thing about Perfect Pac-Man is from the beginning when you press stars. To the end, ball 256, you have to clear everything. You can't miss a blue ghost, you can't miss a bonus, you can't miss anything, you can't make any mistakes. So that was the challenge. So you had to go for literally six hours. I freehand as well, so I don't use patterns up to ball 21. So I freehand all the ghosts. So going back to Tim, we did these live streams. And I thought, well, maybe I can do this. So I had to learn this new strategy called freehand grouper which you might have seen me do on the, the machine outside. Now the machine they've got there is actually the machine I've got the perfect game on in 2015 at Mark 8. So you can actually play it, it's a, a really good cab. So that was the challenge, so the challenge took from basically 2008 to 2015. So I had to knock some barriers down, so personal score, playing live at America, playing with the likes of some of the perfect players, Don Hayes, Bill Mitchell, getting some tips from them yeah, the whole journey was playing live so it was either in the uk up replay all the different events around the uk and then tony and i going over to Funspot, spot and in effect carrying the flag for the uk guys because they own all the records and they're extremely confident as well some fantastic players there and even to watch tony play live in, in the states getting world record scores in the states as well there's been a, a, a real yeah. incentive for me but to get the perfect game was there's no Europeans in there, they're all North American guys. and I was convinced I could do it, so you know, in the end 2015 at Margate actually got the the perfect score, which is 3,333,360 live at their event.
0: And how many people in the world actually can do that now? Because at the time was it
4: six people in the world can do the perfect... Yeah, well you've got (coughs) arcade and then you've got name, so for Arcade, it's yeah. it's six, um, wow. or seven. I know Bill's score's been taken off, but that's a completely different story. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's seven people, so since 1980, it's only seven people got the perfect game. And the amazing thing about your
0: record shop, and I am gonna blow your trumpet for you now, is at the time, you weren't practicing on any main, using any kind of um, advancements or whatever. You just did it on that cabinet. And when you did the record, you didn't own the
4: cabinet. You hadn't played it for many months beforehand and you just came and bloody did it. You could look at that as being a disadvantage, but if you say that if you use an emulator, and a lot of the modern guys will use emulation because there's no machines, I always think I was at an advantage because I played live at the arcade when I was a kid. So between the ages of 12 and 15, I was at the arcade. That's what we did at the weekend. We went to the arcade, we played these games. And then we got better and better and better. So I'd already had that experience. So if I play live, I might play outside in the middle of the football field with everyone watching. For me, that is the, the rush. And that gives me the incentive to play.
1: Yeah, the buzz light, the buzz Absolutely. you Absolutely.
4: So yeah, as a kid, I was only 12 years old. And people were <coughs> watching me get a million points on Pac-Man. It was a huge boost. It's like being a rock star. <laughs> But that's when you're a kid, obviously. So that, that was the incentive, and like I said, I feel like I was at an advantage, because I had that, that experience in the past, where I could just jump into a game of Pac-Man and go for it, because that's all I was used to playing live. So yeah, it's only live play, for, but for me, for everyone else, that, you may feel that if you're a contender for the world record, if I walk out and press the, uh, one player start on Pac-Man and I die within the first 50,000 points, it's not an embarrassment to me, that's what arcades are about, you learn about your mistakes and that's how you improve. But yeah, it's, it was an advantage to me, I think, because I always played live. Yeah, but you, you didn't even practice on an arcade cab when you did your
0: thing, that's what I'm trying to get at. You, you weren't going to the arcade every week like you did as a kid, and you just did it at the end of that you know, three or four months. You just came in and did it. But you, you had
4: previous runs unsuccessfully, but you were still getting massive scores, you just weren't getting that quite perfect. Well, the, the, the benefit I had is I had the knowledge from back in the day. So I already had the knowledge, I just really had to polish up on it. Um, grouping techniques, like I said, I was doing a live stream with Tim. And then he was, well, you've got the game, you can do this. And then it was just a case of gradually pushing the score higher and higher. And um, conquering the one-second boards. Now, that's are the, the boards you need to overcome when you play Pac-Man. Because yeah. they're the ones everyone falls down on. There's been thousands and thousands of guys worldwide got have gone for a perfect game but that's where they fall down, always. You need plenty of patience, especially on the one-second boards. But what I do is, from the first apple, is when the game actually ramps up the speed, I treat every single board then as a one-second board. And oh, the reason I why I do that is, is not, I'm not interested about the time it takes, because my game took six and a half hours. As long as I know that every single board that, I don't need to look at what board I'm on, then I know this is how it's going to be treated. It's going to be treated as a one-second board, and I'm going to group the ghosts perfectly. It's the way you've got to do it. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Tom? I it... did. John, can you talk a bit about um,
3: the way you play Pac-Man? So you use the grouping technique as opposed to what arguably any one of us in this room could do, which is to just learn patterns. Mm-hmm.
4: Can you? Sure. I think that's it. A... Yeah, because that is a lot of hard work. Mm. I don't know how you do it. So you try and explain <laughs> it to us how you do that. I don't know how many people in the audience played Pac-Man in the very early 80s. A show of hands, who played Pac-Man when it came out? Well, you guys, can you remember how you started to play? How did you up your score? You watched people play. Okay, so you looked over the shoulder. In my case, it was in Las Vegas and Liverpool. So they had two Pac-Man machines, and they it was a, they were twin-screen machines. So you would stand there, and you'd watch other people play. So the what I used to do is obviously watch people play. I'd incorporate their gameplay into mine, and then we would almost an effect, you would build patterns as you went along. You'd watch people make mistakes, you'd watch different um, differences in the game, what the ghost would do. And then you would incorporate that into your game, so it was the early form of building patterns. So I used patterns in the early days, um, but we found that once you got to the end of the game, once you got to a split screen, that was the end of the game. But what you had to do then is you needed to take advantage of the points. So the points were all about getting ghosts. To get the ghost, you needed to group them all together, and you need to get as many points as possible. But in answer to your question, as far as patterns are concerned, the very, very fast games that you see in our perfect games, and some of them have been done using emulation, obviously they've paused the game, they've advanced it frame by frame, and they've made these perfect patterns. And some of them are quite interesting to watch because they travel through the ghosts five to six times, which looks like a glitch. I think you've mentioned it before, Sean. Mm. But yeah, this, you know, that's a skill in itself, but it's not for me. No, I don't take it away from anyone who does it that way, because in the modern age, we use emulation because not everyone's got a perfect Pac-Man machine that they can use, and it's got to be in 100% condition. So yeah, it's, that was my way. And I go back to what I was saying before. I had the advantage of playing back in the day, so I've got all that the knowledge. I just needed to polish up on everything. So even if I wanted to play on an emulate, emulator. Can you not just Google it? In 982? Uh, absolutely not. They <laughs> <laughs> no. didn't even have a phone, can had to go to a big red box sticking out the ground.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Because even back then, there wasn't even the, the knowledge in like, printed
4: form. There was a, like, a little silly book you'd get to play Pac-Man perfectly. It hard, was Mastering but... Pac-Man by yeah. Ken Oster. Did you yeah, write it by chance? chance. It, no. <laughs> I remember seeing the book at the time. Mm. Now, the big ten in my game was um, late in 81. So there was a guy in the arcade that came in on Saturday and he was on 600,000 points on Pac-Man my highest was 300,000 at the time because when you get to the ninth key that's when you need a, a, a clearing pattern as they call it Yeah. so I came to the arcade and it was busy as usual on Saturday and there was a guy on 600,000 points and a huge group of people watching turns out he's a guy from America I don't know what his name was to this day but he got six, 800,000 in the end and I was watching him do this clearing pattern Yeah. or the Apple pattern as they call it Can I use, use that even today so the reason why I use a pattern after the ninth key is because it would take you literally days and days and days to freehand everything. Um, and with my game, if my pattern breaks down as crossing the desert as we call it, two hundred and thirty four boards. Yeah. If it breaks down you need to be able to recover. It's one thing learning a pattern because if that pattern breaks down you're in trouble then, especially after the ninth key because the ghosts are much quicker than you. And you just run around, you don't know where to go. So you need to what's called group again. So yeah, it's, that's the way I play, and the, some of the main guys... I know Dave Race, he's got the fastest time, he's got three and a half hours for a better game. But he, it's completely different, he's an emulator and he constructs these patterns which are extremely quick. And particularly your game, John, um, when we finish here later
0: on, you'll probably be playing Pac-Man a bit out there. And people can watch you and see what you mean by getting... Because I've watched you before, just going around and around, waiting for things to happen. And obviously in your head, you know exactly what's going on. I'm going
4: why is he just doing this? Well, if there is a reason for it, you can show people what you mean. Yeah, yeah I mean, I could talk for hours on you know, the, the intricacies of it, but you'll probably see that when you see me grooving, um, I'm actually positioning the ghost in a certain order. So when I hit a certain power pill, I know a particular ghost will reverse in a certain order. All right. Because you, you've got one second. As soon as you touch that power pill, the timer starts. Literally, you, as soon as you touch it, even when you reverse, you've used a third of a second. So then ghosts have got three blue flashes, and they go back to the original colour. And that's where lots of my games have failed, because of that. Wow, You reverse, so it's that one little thing and you That's it, you'll go for the final ghost, so you will be slightly too far away and he'll change, and you've died. Just turn the machine off, start again. After hours, wow. all hours and hours, and it took six years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks,
0: uh, and David? Me. Tell us about your record, what was it? What game was it again?
5: Yes, this one. That one, Galaxian. This one. Right, so I feel like a bit of a newbie, really, because I, I, I didn't play Galaxian back in like 1979-80. I can remember having a brief game with my cousin back in probably about 80, I had one game and it probably lasted about 30 seconds. So I didn't see Galaxian again till maybe about 86, I saw it in an arcade and played it maybe once or twice again and that was it again. So I didn't grow up in the arcades, it was, it, was, it was mainly just holidays and you know, seaside trips and that was it really. Same
2: with me
0: yeah yeah so unless you live near the seaside not not many places had arcades unless there's a caravan park maybe somewhere close or a cafe because yeah that sort of thing and I take it where you live there wasn't that many arcades around there must have been one
5: in town um, I never went there because it was right
1: dodgy days for the
5: rough kids.
0: yeah yeah dodgy days out it's, it's quite interesting you say you never went to the arcades when I'm not sure what the audience, so a lot of them know you, but they know how good you are on a lot of games. So that particular one is your world record, in the Guinness Book of Records I believe? That's, that's um,
5: yeah, um, I when did I do that? No, it was 2000, 2016, in May, yeah. and it took seven and a half hours nearly. How many points did you get in the end, on Galaxian? Two million and ten thousand points. And the record before that was another UK guy. What was uh, that? Well, the, there was Gary Whelan. That, Gary Whelan, yeah. He, he did the record in 2004, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, he was the first player to get a million points. Wow. But there was a guy after that called Art Van Vliet. Art Van Vliet. And I think John's met him.
4: Yeah, and I, time,
5: I, yeah. and I can remember you saying, I think you saw me playing at one of the events. And you, you were saying, like, I played exactly the same as he did. Absolutely, yeah. And so that, that was kind of encouragement in itself. So... When I first played Galaxian, really, when, was really with Alvin of MAME when MAME came in, and um, I can remember joining the app forums which I think Tony was on, mm. and they used to have a, they used to have a, like a weekly competition on, on various games, and Galaxian came up, and that, that was really my first kind of. That was the catalyst. One. That, that was my catalyst yeah. to learning the game properly, and I think I think I managed seventy thousand, if that. You oh, know, that's still so good. It was <laughs> it really. It was nothing really. And then so seventy. <laughs> yeah, some, some guy beat me. He got ninety. Remember, sick boy. I do, yeah. yeah. Remember, sick boy. Yeah, he, he's an awesome
0: gamer. He's, um, so, so and yeah. um, as we, the other guys explained, the settings and on Galaxian, I don't think there is there is a marathon mode because you just there's three it's lives one one and one extra. Yeah. One extra. That's all you get. Like so a Donkey Kong one. It's three yeah. lives, one extra. That's it. So you know. it's
5: effectively. Tournament settings by default. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. So you 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 get those three lives. You, you can't. You've got to protect those lives. It's like a knife edge gameplay. You, you, it's, it, you it's not like Gallagher where you, you get you get kind of breaks now and again in, ga, in Gallagher, You get the bonus right, where and you can't die and not Yeah. So it's a constant onslaught mm. for seven hours. Seven hours twenty. Seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. Seven hours twenty. It's, yeah. <sighs>
1: So how long did it take you
5: to do it practicing? Um, it's probably when it when I, well it's that when arcade club started really.
1: 20... In
5: 2014. 20... Yeah. So it, it, it first started arcade club in the in the back of it in the back of a computer shop in my hometown, which it had no right to do because nothing cool happens in my town. And so it was like <laughs> it was um it was one of those things. So I remember going there, going through the door. And just, just to the left-hand side, about 10 paces away, was a Galaxian cabin And I'd seen one of those for 30 years, probably. Yeah. And i probably hog that cab for the next, like, six months. Yeah. You did, Dave, yeah. I, I probably did. That's, that's why nobody <laughs> else has got the record. Really? Yeah. And I think the first game I got, I got 60,000. Mm-hmm. And the second game I got, I got 121,000. That's and the I'm, thing with you, you're a very quick learner. And I think, yeah, as
0: Alex has found out... with Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People know this already, Alex and I have been challenging to a game called Rescue out there. It's a really good game. I have a go of it, it's really, really cool. Alex's cab. And I beat my score yesterday and Alex beat mine this morning. Love yours, Alex. And then Charlie David, sorry, Charlie Files his forum name. Charlie sorry. had about four goes on it and smashed it. That's say his, 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 his skill just sort of goes, oh uh, yeah. Uh, and it's done and he's, he's beaten it by what is it I, thought, well, I what did I get? 93 yeah I was back uh, far from turning the thing on yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got um, a cabinet of your own at home I, it's, it's a candy cabinet, Japanese yeah, candy, cabinet. Yeah, yeah New Astral City
5: Yeah, which is what I did my record on um, I've, I filmed it on. I filmed it live on Twitch I didn't do it in an arcade so I did it at home with an actual arcade board. With an actual arcade. I, I did start with Mame. Yes. With Groovy Mame. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in in January 2016. Yeah. And I was I was approaching a million points. I think the first stream. I think John watched my first stream. And I got. I don't think I did too well. I think I got like two hundred seventy thousand under three hundred thirty thousand. That all. That's all I got. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's quite when you're playing live with streaming, it changes the entire experience of playing. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it was really weird at first because you, you know there's people that's like, scrutinising playing, especially there's some classic out but gameplay. There was like some Americans in the stream they are watching, and so it's quite quite intimidating really at first.
0: With those Switch streams, um, I know a lot of people, um, they talk to each other and they comment on it. Yeah. Obviously you couldn't type what you are playing. No, I, Did you I, hear I, anyone commenting was he just focused no, on the No, it was on the
5: computer by the side, right, side. I so see, I wasn't yeah. yeah, watching at all. Can I, so, just,
0: can I just ask, like, when you're doing it live, yeah. you know, you should, like a uh, co- uh, key of cock, where you see Billy Mitchell in the background I know it's all kind of fake that film It's yeah. kind of put in,
3: trying to put the other guy off have you ever found like Absolutely. when you're doing it live yeah. the American guys yeah. try and put you off in a
4: particular way if It was something done can everyone hear me okay with that Mike yeah it's not, not really, it really. It, it? Well, yeah it's something I don't know if you've seen the King of Kong as it's most people Sure, everyone out <laughs> yeah well you see when Steve <laughs> Weeby goes up. over to Fun and he's happened to play live yeah. and then there's loads of guys there and he's got this reception, it's a very frosty reception um, because who's this new guy? I had a similar thing because when I went over there I, uh, my score was grandfathered into the Twin Galaxy database so if I would have submitted that score when I got it in that June 83 I would have been world champion there They wouldn't have liked that? Absolutely not oh, no. No. So, Back then, they had or like a peer-review system that they, someone could challenge your score and say, well, I want to see you play live within six months, but you've got to get 75% of your claimed score. So that's how live and accurate I wanted to be. So when Tony said, do you want to go over and play live? I thought, well, okay, I'll do it. I'll go and prove it. and They were like, there's this guy from England coming, and he's ex world record holder. I got quite a bit of practice in, and when I went over there, um, I got the same sort of reception. So this is an elite clip, everyone owns all the world records, the Americans own all the world records. So we turn off and it's like, here's this new guy from England. So I was playing live and little did they know, hang on a sec, I'm at the advantage because I always play live. So the more people that watch, the better. So they ended up standing on chairs watching over the game, they watch me play. That is intimidating, surely? No, no, That was that's what pushes me on to play. Wow. Yeah. So, in America as well, um, I've been the fun spot a few times and uh, I've seen some of these, met some of the guys as well. They're all quite friendly
0: with each other, aren't they? Absolutely. There's not, there's not a lot of bad rivalries, one or two, but I mean they're quite friendly. And when a guy like you comes over, mm. but I think they sort of accepted you because
4: you're quite friendly with a lot of those guys now. They're really nice people. I've met some of them. They're lovely. Yeah, the thing is with elite gaming in America, they also have the, the best gamers. But the, el- the elite gamers, they're in a different league. And that's yeah. not to bore us all. Yeah. That's the challenge that we had as well and to go on, on their turf and pick mm. and scores over there, that, that was the thing to me. But like I said, I played live and that was my home. It didn't matter where I played, as long as I could play live. Uh, I, I'm not a good gamer at all, but I mean,
0: coming here today, I mean, I beat one of my scores yesterday and I beat the Rescue score. And i not in the same league as you guys, but I sort of find it quite fun when people are watching you, talking to your mate next to you, and you're sort of trading tips and that. And I do find it, weirdly, I play better. It does spare so you on, doesn't it? Yeah, when I'm at home, I'm sort of playing a game. Oh, for God's sake, you turn it off, you play another game, and you go and get a cup of tea or something. But when you're here, it's what you do. You're here to do this. Mm-hmm. So I tend to sort of home in and go, I'll have another game like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll nest up that time, I'll have another game. And I'll go off somewhere, and I'll, Alex will beat me, and I'll go try and beat him, and I'll beat him. And it's just made it. Yeah, I did, I beat you. Here, <laughs> and then he beat me, then this man came along. Wasn't me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's, it's um, the same result, but for the opposite reason. So when when people are watching, I've just got this innate fear of screwing up. Yeah. So you're like, I'm supposed to be, you know, the world champion on Missile Command, and you think, there's 20 people watching me. If I have a game like the one I had last night at home, <laughs> these people are gonna be like, yeah, this guy can't, you know, when, when push comes to shove these. So for me, it's a sort of inverse motivator that I just don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. So I'm spurred on to play well, I think. Mm. So back in the day when we were
0: kids, we used to put tempi on the bezel, and that was a way of, you've had enough play, get off. Yeah, right. You don't do that now, right, because everything's on free play. Yeah, that, was, exactly. that was a technique to sort of put them off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do you ever get that now, in it sort of, in another way? I will be putting tempi on your machine
3: later on, you'll play <laughs> <laughs> off <Mom. laughs> For me, it's, 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 like, it's the, this uh, zone, you know, when people get into the zone. So I, I kind of get into the zone when I play, and if I'm playing live and there's people around, when the screen in between waves, the screen briefly goes off
2: yeah.
3: and you suddenly get the reflection of what's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of playing along and then you, you, the, 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 the screen sort of flashes off and then comes back on for the next wave. And just in that split second, you see like 20 faces. My God, there's 20 people watching. <laughs> me. Oh, okay, come on, yes. get a grip. You know, it, it's For me, it's, it achieves the same result, but yeah. it's, it's a fear thing as opposed to a... I want to look great thing. Well, I know exactly well, what you mean. But,
0: um, <laughs> there's a guy called Pete Harm who works at the Garden Ghost over in Chicago and he's a world-class player like you guys on loads of games, tons of them. And he came into our K Club I we took him up there and we were playing and there was a guy playing Shinobi and I sort of said to him oh this guy's a world record holder and, and Pete had a go and he hadn't played for a while and he just completely messed it up. The way he was playing was world-class. He was doing things that normal people don't do because it's easier and you get more points the way he was doing it and this guy sort of looked at me like, really? I was like, hold on a minute. And like a few games later when he was like doing the game. Because he's just got him back into it again. But I know what you mean he, he was a little bit intimidated because he hadn't played oh, I hadn't played it for a while. Oh come on, you come and it, it, he wasn't that brilliant, but the way he played it was completely different class to where everyone else plays it. Because he does it he does it in a way where he gets maximum points by doing the hardest way you can do it, and everyone else being, why are you doing like that? I'm not using magic. He doesn't use any magic or any, doesn't use ninja stars. He just gets right up to him and hits him. You've got to be really close every time. It's so easy to get killed. Yeah. But that's the method to get the maximum points, and that's how he always plays it. Yeah, and I I a different league. You know? I, I think
3: the, um, the other thing worth um, just throwing out there is, is, as I'm sure everybody in this room knows, if you're a gamer, you can have your game, and, and whether you're um, world class? Is that the phrase you're using? you use? Well, you are world class. Oh, that's very kind. Um, whether you're, whether you're, uh, you know, the best in the world, or you, you, it's just your game and you play at home or whatever. Um, you've still got that that Murphy's law of video games. It's kind of like playing snooker. You're like, well, I, you know, my highest break's 85, but I just missed a simple red over the pocket. It's exactly the same when I when I play Missile Command. It's like not every game is going to be a million point game it, in fact not every game is going to be a hundred thousand point game you know, I'll, I'll, I'll um i'm certainly definitely rusty i'm certainly not at that level again where i think i could beat my world record score tomorrow but even now playing a game you would think being the best in the world on missile command i have a great game every time It's like nothing could be further from the truth sometimes it's just a total disaster and just like, what just happened now my game just Died. I was really trying. I was really trying my best, and I'm supposed to be the. It, 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 it's that whole stuff just messes with your mind, and you've yeah. got to. When you're going for it, you've just got to cut through that and just keep keep going and restarting and, and, and trying again. I'm sure it's the same on on Pac-Man and collection. Uh, you you, yeah. you you just have
0: those games constantly. Yeah. And when you're playing and you know I'm not doing too well there. Us lot are watching you going, you've got 100,000 points, you're doing really well. like, you no, know, because it, it's not going your way, patterns aren't happening the way you want the, the ghosts aren't chasing, the, the bases have been taken, you're missing stuff, I'm collapsing, yeah. whatever. And you know, I'm gonna turn it off and start again. And we're going, whoa, whoa, why? Yeah. It's, it's, it's another level.
1: It's very true. It really so what would you say is the qualities of a world-class gamer, like determination? <laughs> what's, the, what's the quality that gets you to that level?
4: <laughs> okay. Well, patience is definitely. A, patience. Yeah. yeah. Once you've got a game and you've you, you've got a score, always keep your scores and log your scores. That's what I'd say. Because so many people look at these massive scores, perfect Pac-Man, two million on Galaxians, world record hold. Just log your score and up and up your score. Always record your scores. Yeah. Progressively get better. That's the way I did it. Now we, we keep on about on the podcast there's this um, app called Sidekick it's a friend of yours
0: mm, it? yeah. and it's only a friendly thing it's not, um, it's not adjudicated in any way but we're getting scores now we're putting them in there and you can like, see how good you are against Charlie or, or Tony or whatever and um, it's just a way of you might not be right at the top of that but your mate might be like one or two up you I'm going to beat him and you just keep going at it and then before long you will get a bit higher up yeah, I think I think one of the qualities
5: it's like it been said determination really. Yeah, but I think it's it's obviously being passionate about gaming, and it's also you're not gonna it's not gonna be a linear journey from like being bad at the game to being like world class at the game. You're gonna like stall at points, and you're gonna you're gonna actually get worse at some points. It's just the way it's, it's just the way it goes. It's just, you're just not thinking about the game properly, or you know you, you've actually got into a bad habit and you're starting to play you know not quite optimally. Yeah. So it's um, it's it's. What
1: was I trying to say? When you were playing Galaxian, you're eating a cheeseburger, David. I always you? eat cheeseburgers. So <laughs> it's <laughs> just one-handed. That's why he's only getting. No, I,
5: I I biscuits playing.
1: That's in, why he's only getting half a million.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I think we're, we're from like from like January when I was going for the record, I like I probably like finished about. 10% of my games, it was just like restarting most of the time, it's like restart, restart restart, and I think, I mean, we call it the grind, don't we, when when it's like, it's just not going right and you're making so little progress and it's it's just not happening and that, that, I think that's when you need like, you need to be part of a community as well really, because you, you, there's a lot of support in the, in the arcade community and there's a lot, there's a lot of encouragement like, like the 10pence guy, you know, these guys
0: encouraged me, cajoled me to do the rest, yeah, no. we we'll do. Yeah. Especially there's, was, a, there's a guy on the Tempest podcast, a friend of ours called Dave Tronans. Yeah. And he trolls <laughs> us all the time. i hope you can hear this, Tronans. And he'll will egg David on to beat one of my scores. And I'm like, oh god, so yeah. we'll just throw that away now. We do it back to him as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, David, just have a go at rescue. See if beat Alex there. I called yeah. tra- I, ca- I call
5: Troy on as my gaming oracle because he always like picks me next, next game for him. He says, "You want to start playing Donkey Kong," and then there was the time yeah. for I and He says, "You want to start playing Dig Dug." Yeah, because I was best like, in the contract. I, I, right? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think anyway. you, you get half a million. Yeah, and, and I, I was I was learning. I think I, I think I got two million bites in about two weeks. <sighs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you, you have this natural sure, ability, man. don't you? I don't. I don't. On, on like, almost any game, within a couple of weeks, definitely get, not every game, you get yeah. to a level. It's almost like world class. Like in a month, like Burger Time, Centipede, like everything. You know, how, how do you do that, David? Like, how, oh, mate, I
0: don't know. <laughs> I got a theory about this. Um, I'm not sure about you two guys, but I know you. So, you look at a game and you sort of analyse it. But yeah, David is. You're. Pian-
5: you used to be a pianist by trade. Oh I was a classically trained pianist. I, th- yeah. I think some of it comes it's not so much the dexterity of playing, I think it's the way I used to approach learning learning pieces. You like break oh, okay. you like break them up. And yeah. you, you saw. Sort of, I used to like learn the hardest bits first. Oh, okay. So you can't do that in thing, but it, it, it's sort of like patching it together. Yeah. So
2: it's, it's
0: nothing it's to do that with hand eye because obviously being a pianist you're you're two handed almost ambidextrous. Yeah, it must be a bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Not but she was, she was about like twin stick games like Robotron for instance. Yeah, I'm not that good at You are. You've got 800,000 points. That's pretty good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> hey? I've only
5: played. Well, I've been playing it back for. I've not played it. I've probably had about five games of it before, say three, four weeks ago, when we played on them. <laughs> yeah, but so
4: they're, they're not good at
5: it. Don't start playing
2: Pac-Man,
3: Pac-Man, <laughs> yeah. <Batman>, you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do miss kind of at all. Oh. Sorry, I, I, think I was, I was going to say, um, if you're going to... Um, if you're coming away from this talk all inspired to go for a world record God help you um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing that I've done I don't know if it's true of uh, you two guys It I've always been very conscious of um, breaking my game down and putting right the things that I'm yeah. not good at um, so Donkey Kong I for the life of me cannot get over 150,000 I don't know how people do it I don't get it but clearly now hundreds of people yeah. have not only Got past 150,000, my um, mark in the sand, but they've actually got to the kill screen. That's something I'd, I'd like to do. But I don't know what it is I'm doing wrong because I've played countless games of Donkey Kong, I still do today. It's probably my favourite game at the moment. And I, I just break down every single time, pretty much in the same place for the same reason. Mm-hmm. So, sort of looking at back to Missile Command, there, there were things like smart bombs. I wasn't quite getting smart, my smart bomb accuracy. so I would just start zoning in on that and just trying to perfect that aspect of the game so I would say rather than just throwing a load of time into one particular game really analyse what you're doing and try and learn from the game that ended early as to why it ended early and what you'll find over time is that you realise hang on a minute there's a bit of a pattern here the reason my games are ending early, early is because I miss timing the jump on the elevators on screen six. Mm. So I just need to go back to that and, and just sort of work work on that and get that right. And then you'll find you'll, you'll get over that and then there'll be something else that you think, mm. well, I, if I did this, I could drive my score up even higher. Yeah, I
4: and mean, when you get to certain levels,
3: those things you've learned change slightly and you've got to learn more again and a like, slightly faster or a delayed rate, rate or yeah. whatever. And that's a really difficult thing to do, I think, as um, Dave said, is, is, is you. you I can watch other people play Missile Command and think, yeah, that guy's got a really bad habit. I suppose it's like being a pianist, that there are pianists out there who you know, don't use their pinky finger enough, and that's probably a really bad habit that you need to break. And you've got to start working on your pinky finger and start you know, building it into your playing style. Uh, I think it's exactly the same in, in um, video gaming, that, that everybody has a bad habit on a game which, which they need to
0: probably work on. Hmm. Well, what you were saying about um, those certain areas of your game, like using the smartphone, that is um, a perfect example of where you can use in main the save states. So you get up to a certain point, save state, then do the bit you're trying to do. And if you don't do it, just go back rather than going back all the way to the start of the game. But do you have you ever used that? I know John's never done it. Have you ever done it in main? Would you just play on your
3: cabinet? I just play on my, on my cabinet, and probably the main reason for that is. Um, Missile Command is one of those games which, really, to be played properly, you need to use the original hardware. Of course, the trackball, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a there's a four and a half inch trackball, and there's three fire buttons. So it's it's a totally different experience trying to play it either with a joystick. God God help oh, us. God, no. um, or indeed a main style trackball because it's not going to be the right size, and it it isn't going to be emulated 100%. So you, you really need to use the correct physical interface with the game.
0: And when you guys get to your level if something's not 100% right, especially in John's case, even like, I don't know, a tenth of a second can make or break your game, and MAME isn't that accurate. Even with Groovy MAME, which syncs the picture and everything to arcade standards, it's not absolutely perfect, and you would, you lot would notice. If you put a PC in a cabinet and you play you go, there's a PC in there, yeah. you know straight away. Yeah. Everyone else is going, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Away.
3: You also touched on something else, Vic. Um, Sorry, we're going off on hundreds of tangents here, but I think the one thing that um, makes our three achievements similar is that the games we've done it on, just one tiny mistake and the whole thing's screwed up. Mm. Yeah. If John misses one ghost on screen 222, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it, he can no longer get a perfect game, it can't be done. Or if he loses a life on screen 32, that's it, the perfect yeah. game's gone. If I miss a missile and lose a city, it's gone, it's never coming back, you know, and arguably the game's over. Or, if I lose the wrong city early on, yeah. I want to leave myself a particular city in a particular location. If that, if that goes early, I know it's over, and probably the um, same with Dave, is, is if, if you lose a, a, a guy early on, the chances are he's going to think,
0: That's I, it, I, yeah, I, yeah. I need to restart this game. Galaxian is a very accurate, I think your games are very accurate, all three games. Yeah, I, th- I think um,
5: accuracy in Galaxian is probably the prime skill you need to develop. Yeah. I mean, it's all tied. To, you you need to learn how the enemies behave. Really, yeah. that that's the key to it. Really, and I think what, what happens is when the the so they they're in formation and they they break the peel off from the edges and like they come down in like a sine wave pattern. And the the way that pattern works is it's based on your location when they first set off. So so you can use that to your advantage. So. The, the real skill is learning to not move too much because if you start moving around like crazy on the bottom, the glasses are going to gonna cover the entire bottom
0: of the screen because oh, you can't shoot them all. Well, this is the technicalities I was on about earlier. You've yeah. you analysed this because we wouldn't know. Huh? Yeah. We're just like going, oh, I'm trying to get hit by a bullet. And these things are going <laughs> like, you can almost you, tell you, them where they're going to go. You know, you, you, you're sort of
5: like, as you're moving, you, you're sort of like buffering in your head. I'm not saying that sounds like a computer, doesn't it? That? You are sort, of like yeah, yes. sort, of like, sort of like buffering in your head where the safe spots, because the safe spots continually moving. So you need to you need to have an escape plan, you know, pre-planned in your head, because your ship's so slow. You yeah. need to preempt where you're gonna go. I, I I hear all this, but yeah. none of it is staying in there. It? Yeah. It's going, whee, out the side. I, it yeah, just it just, it just takes a long, long time to master. I mean, uh-huh. you need something wrong with it, basically, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we were
0: thinking that, and everyone here is thinking that as well. Yeah. In a nice way. You guys yes. have picked games that are quite popular. You know, Galaxian, Pac-Man, and... They're
2: classics, right? But if you think just, people like us, should pick games that more just than your t- games, like Share, but not. I gone think you on yeah. get a world records. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't know something. Yeah,
5: to <laughs> where, 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 where there's only one world record. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to go for a record, then you shouldn't just pick a game because it's a classic. You've you got to pick a game that's you like. that you like. Yeah. So because otherwise you're not you're not going to be able to do it because you're going to be staring at this game for. Months and you're gonna be studying it for months, and you're not gonna that. You're not gonna be able to last it out if you, you haven't got the passion behind that game. So you've you just got to pick what you like, and it, I just happen to love Galaxian So you know, same with John and John Tony. Did um,
2: Did any of you use video footage of
3: your gameplay to help
5: break down the game at all? Um, not really. No, I mean, I've seen a, there's a small video of art on, on YouTube, but it's it's like when you first started getting into into Galaxian, I think it's called Flashbacks of the 80s or something in the video on it. And it's art playing who was the previous world record holder. And it that's that's the only clip I could find of Not any of I've, your, your play, Oh I, I've do my, you mentioned about where he was Yeah, I've got I've got finding my, things that he was doing wrong. Did you use video footage of what you were doing to see where you were going wrong? Um How you prove that? a little bit, yeah. A little bit. I, I've watched a little I mean, it's really boring, but I've watched a little little parts of where where I've died, I've not watched the entire game but you kind of like look back at it because when you're playing at the time you lose a life and you've got to let it go from your mind completely straight away you can't, you can't like dwell on it, same with like games like Donkey Kong, you've just got to let it go and maybe then reflect on it later and think well what could I have done then, could I have... because you get little, it's a random game is Galaxian, so you, you kind of get little scenarios that kind of unfold and you can't you learn to recognise these scenarios you might get two over here and the ball coming this way and you get and you learn little muscle memory type things that help you. So you, you kinda of develop those over time. So you die in one spot and you think, well next time oh, there was probably a spot over here kind of so you kind of learn off that. So yeah, looking at videos
0: probably does help a lot. Yeah. Well, I've seen some um what you say there, I mean a lot of players myself included if I died earlier on, my mind's just going, no, you, you, you've messed it up, you don't want to do it. Yeah. But I've seen people do the whole of Donkey Kong from 100,000 points to 1. 1.2 million with one life. They lose two yeah, lives. i just on. keep going, I'll keep going, and they do it. you like, ah. Well, you did a similar do, thing, didn't you? I, 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 I've had, i
4: have I had,
0: 934,000
5: on yeah. Donkey Kong? With one life? No, no, I think I got to 600,000 on my first life. And then obviously it starts playing. So I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of like a, a top 50 player, if you will. Unofficially, I've not submitted a score or Oh yeah, yeah. God, you need to get better. I need to. Yeah, you just got to. Yeah, it's just getting that. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. You've yeah, yeah, got of mind. two lives. Yeah. yeah, it's frame of mind, isn't it? Yeah, it's it I think a lot of people tend to have a really good first life because they're like fresh. They're fresh on the game, and it's like. You know, this is, going to be, this is going to be the game. And it's like, you lose that life and you you, and you lose it a little bit, yeah. Because mm. on the build up to my record run, when I was streaming, I was, I, was having, I was having some decent games and I was getting like maybe half a million on my first life. And then I'd, it'd kind of drop off a bit and I'd maybe get two hundred, three hundred thousand, and and I'd be on my last life at a million points. Mm. I was thinking, well, I'm going to struggle to get to 1.6 now and invariably I died. Mm. But on my, on my record run, it was the same pattern again. I thought it was on my last life at million points. I thought, you know, like, oh, well, this is going to happen again. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I must have got into the zone or something. So I scored a million points on my last life, which yeah. was, and then just killed myself. That's off. You killed yourself <laughs> off at the end. I Killed myself off at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You got bored. I got bored. <laughs> yeah. I need to put some more cheeseburgers off. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so what's next for you guys? Then Are you going for different games or? going
0: to carry on on Pac-Man, or I know mean, two of try? these guys are really
4: good at something. Tony's just lovely. <laughs> 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 the thing is, going for going for a world record score, you've got to invest so much time in it. Mm-hmm. So with me, it's one round track and field. So I'm a contender on that. So the likes of 100 meters on track and field, the world record score for the 100 meters is 7.54 five so bit. Um, Oh yes. one of the Well, it's one of the American <laughs> guys anyway. The world record on 100 metres on track and field 754, and I've had 757. So it's only three hundredths away. But to get a record on track and field on one round, so it's not playing forever, just doing one round. record's 98,000, so, but you don't have to invest so much time. Another game I'd like to play to the end and to go for the world record is 1942. So I could contend on that as well as track and field. Um, but I've really... So much of the time recently has been concentrated on getting a perfect Pac-Man. Just talking about what the guys were saying before about your lives. With a perfect game, when you start, the thing that's up against you from the beginning is as soon as you press start, you cannot make a mistake. Whereas if you, and that's not to to say that these guys did any less than what I did, but it's the mindset you've got to be in to get a perfect game on Pac-Man. Because if you make any mistake whatsoever, that's it, it's finished. When you look at your lives, so you'll have four lives plus one your lives are there for you to score at the end of the game. So when you got on the split screen, it's actually playable, the split screen on Pac-Man. And each life represents 90 points. So if I die, it's going for a perfect game, but it'll go all the way to the end, I lose 90 points. So that's how my game incrementally went off. So I had a near-on perfect game, because I died twice, so I lost 180 points. But that's the thing with a perfect game, you can't look at your men and think, oh, I'm doing really well. It's either 3.333 million or, or Bust. So that was it. But no incentive. The only incentive was, was not to miss anything, and to show the Americans that they don't own all the, with the video game world records. You know, we've got some great players Absolutely, yeah. sitting out here. Yeah. What are you
1: going go for, David? or Tony. Sorry, what um,
3: I? I I'm uh, a one-trick pony. I, I'm not good at any other games to uh, world record standard. Um, having said that, uh, next year is the 40th anniversary of uh, Missile Command um, and Pac-Man. True. Possibly glass. Glosson. this year. 79. Um, So uh, I'm I'm, uh, writing a book, actually, about Missile Command, which I'm hoping to to release next year, uh, fingers crossed. Um, One of the things I wanted to do on the 40th anniversary was to break the world record on Super Missile Attack, which was um, an unofficial follow-up to Missile Command, uh, developed by a group of students in uh, Boston. Um, and it's like Missile Command on ACID. It's just absolutely crazy. It just get, keeps getting quicker and quicker and quicker. and quicker. Um, there's, there's no sort of plateau. Um, and So therefore, to beat the world record, it's like a 20-minute job. So I'm thinking... Right. I was going to say... I'm an old man now and I've slowed down quite considerably. I, I think that, that, that probably will
0: um, suit. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking I might, I might do that just for just yeah. the just giggles of it. You more. stole my question. I was going to say, because I remember the, that, that extra game of Missile Command, I thought, I bet you're good at that as well. And you obviously are, because it's a similar game but faster, as you said. Yeah,
3: it's it's. You a, can do that. It, it, it kind of comes back to what I said earlier about I'm, I'm going to have to break down the game, my gameplay that I use currently because it just doesn't work on Super Missile. Anymore. Totally different again. Same game but totally different. Completely different. Yeah. Um, so much so that actually you have to ignore your cities. So the whole point of Missile Command is to protect these cities. The Super Missile Attack, the scenario is the same. But if you try and protect your cities, your game's going to finish pretty quickly. So there comes a point where you've got to completely ignore the cities, let them die, oh. and just go for points. So you've just got to hit stuff that's worth a lot of points to get yourself over the next threshold wow. to get a bonus city so that the game continues. So it. Inadvertently, they completely turn the whole game on it on its head. That it doesn't become a bad. Have a way of doing it though. A different game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
1: So. David, what which six records are you going for? Which which? Today, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, well the was, weekend. Um,
0: serious ones actually. So you are good at lots of games. Ones. So the serious ones, you think you can actually get the world record, Twin Galaxies, and in the booker record, Space Invaders. Space Invaders is one I'd, I'd contemplate. And uh, what is the record on that at the moment? See, my Roy record's 6,000. Just
5: uh, over, uh, uh, did you not get that 7,000 on that? On the Space Invaders out there? No. Is that not your score? No. no. All right, I was told it was 6,000, eh? 6,000. What's the world record? 212 or something like that. <laughs> 212,000. <000. laughs> I, 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 I've currently test. had, I've had 34. So yeah. I'm have still got a way to go but that's really good, but I suppose once you get in that groove it's the yeah. same and then it does you say it resets after a while and you're back to I think there's about ten levels and it go then they reset back up to the up to the height to of the top level again yeah, okay. so you get a little bit of a break. But it's, it's essentially the game, same pattern every every level where they call it the tunnel of death, they call it the wall of death. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to take two columns out, right. and then you sit in that safe spot and you shoot the UFOs. Oh, so that's you, a weird way of playing, isn't it? Yeah, see, so, so it looks like you, your, your game's going to end because you're letting them go down to the invading level. Yeah. So when they're on the invading level, they can't shoot at you. you can, they can't shoot at you, yeah. so you can just safely go underneath them and, and oh. take that row out. Oh, so once you, you play that, it sounds so quite you just interesting. Repeat, yeah, that one out there is a bit weird. It keeps crashing. It, it like doesn't. You saw I me mean, do it, it, it like half, half, half. That's the, a
3: feature. That's
5: not. It's a feature. Yeah, yeah. And a bad workman
3: always blames his tools. There's
5: another game with features called Phoenix, which. Yes. I, I would like to get better at Phoenix as well. No, you're good at it already. Yeah, too good. But I think it's Frankie Knuckles. It's about a million points, so I'm away. Yeah. I'm away yeah. off that. Yeah,
0: because actually full of a
5: bunch. Richard Knuckles, Frankie Knuckles, Dave Knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. He's a house DJ. Yeah. He's a house DJ. Frankie Knuckles. <laughs> he just plays. just
0: DJs in his house. How <laughs> possible? He's dead gangster. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, that's about it for our official questions. Any questions for the audience, please? For these guys. You said Tronads I the like, there. here we go. no, This is little just do, just, just lie go. up Jimmy,
5: go on. Don't do it. Uh, this is actually my question, it's not from Tronads. All right. So, Dave, you, you mentioned that there's got to be an attraction to the game, you know, for you to put that much effort into it. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how your relationship with the game has changed from
4: I hate when it. When you first
5: played it I and you liked it, it put so much That's effort in to get to that standard. Do you, you fall out of love with the game along the, along that journey? <sighs> when you're getting worse at the game, you, you do kind of lose it a bit. But you, I mean, I can remember. I, I mean, I remember playing it. I, I, it's my most vivid memory of an arcade game from like 1979-80, So I think there's a lot of nostalgia in there. But it's I, I don't know. I, I love. I still love the game. I find it. It's a, it's quite a relaxing game to play, so I think that's why I stuck no, at it's it, it. It's not. Really, it's really. It's, it's it's therapeutic. It really is. It's <laughs> it's one of these games that you can just chill out to and just you can. Just, and I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to you've got to relax when you play these games because, I think. I think they kind of they try and work to try and wind you up these games, you know, because they have this like this thrumming noise in the background. You're winding me up. <laughs> they have this like noise in the background and as as the, as the level progresses, it intensifies, and it's to get you, it's to get your heart rate going. Really like, Pac-Man like, does that, doesn't yeah, it? Like, the, the whining gets yeah. faster. Well, yeah, the swearing goes. And same, the same. with Space Invaders, you get like that heartbeat noise in the background, and it's it's there to wind you up. So yeah. you've got to try and put that in
3: right your head. Um, John and I spoke about this in the past about how certain people play certain games. Um, and uh, John, if you know John on a personal level like I do, I've shared hotel rooms <laughs> with him and all sorts. Uh, so, so John, John's a, a, by his own admission, I'm sure, he's, is is you know a, a very precise guy. Um, his sort of mind operates in a certain way; wants everything to be just so, and he's very organised and likes to wear a T-shirt whereas yourself. I don't
5: <laughs> and so I think some,
3: something like Pac-Man which requires that level of um, almost sort of OCD of I've got to you know I've got to get every single dot I've got to get every single ghost. so it's got to be done in a certain way and then I'll get a perfect game um, whereas to me in the way my mind worked I, it just sounds like my idea of hell trying to go for a perfect Pac-Man game um, and for me with Miss Ockerman it probably goes back as a kid I was probably traumatised by the whole subject matter of nuclear war being being a kid of the 80s we all thought we were going to die at any moment, and so being able to play this game where in my mind I was saving the world I, I, there's, there's, there's kind of more of a... it sort of stuck with me in, into my adult life yeah. uh, But I've never really shaken up I if I was saying to you, um, there's a guy called Richard Marsh in the US who was um, at one time the Tempest uh, world record holder but he was also a fantastic gyrus player mm. and, and in both Most of those things, games yeah. you're shooting into the screen yeah. So there was sort of something in his head that, he, and yet sitting in front of Space Invaders, he didn't even know what he was doing, you know. So he could only play these games where you spun around the top of the screen and shot into the, the screen. So there's just something particular about that style of game which appealed to him. Um, and I think that's very true. I think I think of the serious classic arcade players, there are certain people who are attracted to certain games. Bill Mitchell's probably another one with Pac Man and Donkey Kong. They're, both the similar sort of skill sets of, yeah, yeah. you know, point pressing and, and you know maximizing scores. So I, I think there's probably something in that. Sure.
0: But you still play your your own cabinet. Cause you've got this beautiful cabinet at home, and that's the one you're never going to grow rid You still play it to this day. I do. Every couple of days, every day. Uh, not every day, no.
3: Uh, probably once a week. Yeah. No, not really once in my Not even there. I don't, I just <laughs> so, know that. When well, no, I remember to switch it on and give it yeah. a go, I'm, I'm very, very, very very rusty these days.
0: And John can't because he doesn't even own the cabinet anymore. Right. And and you've got your own cabinet you've put arcade boards in I've as got well as arc- playing yeah. games as well. You play yeah. lots of
4: games, especially Arcade Club as well.
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah. 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 So, that's your. Well, well, it was part of the journey for me as well because the one, the game I got the, the perfect game on is the one outside. So. I bought that on eBay for 120 pounds and I completely restored it. So it was factory condition. So It didn't have to be just live, original. It was on an original machine as well. It's completely restored. So it's out there now, everyone's playing it. And to see people playing it, it's just come full circle. I knew what was gonna happen. I wanted to do this, get a perfect game, and then the machine was gonna go back in the wilderness for people to enjoy.
0: Uh, we are out of time, everyone. If you wanna ask these guys some questions, I'm sure they'll take your questions out on the shop floor there and play some games with them.
1: All that's now, guys. Vic, is it a quick-sing song. Come on. <laughs> Start us off, sure. i uh, Thanks
2: sing.
0: for coming. Now get out of here! <laughs>